Welcome to another episode of Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon, and skeptic. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? RDI is a local real estate investment business group that meets monthly at various locations throughout Metro Detroit. This group is about networking and doing deals. This isn't your grandma's RIA. No sales from the front, ever, and no smell of stale coffee, been gay, and or disappointment. You know what I'm talking about. RDI is also this podcast where once a week I sit down with interesting and successful business people getting shit done, and I pick their brain for your amusement and hopefully education. And if you enjoy this podcast, please give it a like, share it across the internet, Facebooks, Twitter, all that stuff. It really does help. If I, you have any questions or maybe there's not questions I'm uh, asking or any suggestions, please leave me a comment or send me a message. Go to renegadedetroit.com or renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in attending the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash Renegade Detroit Investors or go to facebook.com Detroit Investment Club. You can hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess. And if you prefer, hello, YouTube. You can watch us at youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit Wholesalers. Legal disclaimer. It's the way of the world, folks. The country we live in. In no way, shape, or form should anything that I or my guests say be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that you grow up and be a fucking adult, and before making any investment decision, contact a lawyer and or other licensed professionals. Don't sue me. All right, show quote of the week. Time for the Renegade Detroit Investors show quote of the week. I try and pick a quote that sets the tone for the podcast, and hopefully your week. This week's quote, the secret of getting ahead is getting started by Mark Twain. The secret of getting ahead is getting started by Mark Twain. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to my guest. We're actually shooting this in her shop, Ms. Amanda Brewington. Amanda was born in Ann Arbor and raised in Romulus, Michigan. She graduated from Michigan State University with two bachelor's degrees because one just ain't enough, one in communications and the other in arts. After years in and around the food industry, hospitality business and all that, including fine dining, she got an itch to start her own business. Fast forward several years, and now she owns and operates Always Brewing Detroit, a fine coffee and tea shop on Grand River in Rosedale Park in northwest Detroit, where she sources much of her inventory, maybe all within 15 miles of her shop. She is currently on the steering committee of Food Lab Detroit and an active board member of the Grandmont Rosedale Detroit Soup. Go to alwaysbrewingdetroit.com. Hit her up on Twitter at alwaysbrewingdet. Hit her up on Instagram at brewing at alwaysbrewingdetroit. And if you go to facebook.com forward slash alwaysbrewingdetroit, you can get her there. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you. Yeah. Glad to be here. I'm excited about this one. And it's fun to do it in your (laughs) shop. And for those who've been listening, um, we've done a lot of these in our shop. We have. Yeah. This is at the counter, though. This is big. It is. But (laughs) it's your shop. It is. And we're doing this after hours Mm -hmm. on a Friday. So because you work so damn much, you don't have time to do it any other time. That's accurate. Yes. And I caught you on the one Friday. You don't have to go work your second job. True. Also. Yeah. So so we got lucky on that one. Yeah. We did plan this out months in advance. So all the other. Yeah. yeah, We'll be like five (laughs) or six other podcasts here. Amanda actually told me, I've known her for like a year and a half. And then she told me she always wanted to have a studio and do podcasts here. Yes. And then I was like, well, shit. I can do that. We can. We can yeah, do that. <laughs> we can do that. You have a conference yeah. room, so we're doing that. So exactly. thank you. Um, also, 
the first woman on the podcast. Yeah, you tell me that. That's, that's number awesome. seventeen, episode oh. seventeen. I'm I'm pretty excited about this, mm-hmm. and this one's really cool because this is a first brick and mortar business. Yes, I've had on the podcast too, and I know there are a lot of people who are interested in starting brick and mortar businesses. Yeah, they're so, a whole other lifestyle. They're it's big. crazy. I don't yeah. know how you guys do what you do, and <laughs> we'll get we'll get into that. So, um, so you're born, yes, in Ann Arbor. Raised in Romulus, mm-hmm. Went, had to get two bachelor's degrees, not just one. <laughs> no, I couldn't decide, so I decided to get two. You know, people change their majors in college. I didn't. I just kept adding things. Um, More? Yeah. I was like, well, I'll just stay five years and have two pieces of paper at the end. And my mom's like, okay, well, uh, good luck with that. You're insane. No. <laughs> I, I think you are insane. You have to am. be insane to a certain degree to oh, yeah. open a brick and mortar in Detroit, Oh, right? yeah. I think... You know, you kind of, you know, what's the the saying? Like, if your if your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough, right? I mean, yeah. that's a thing. Like, I am just like, I love coming up with ideas and figuring out how to make them exist. Like, that's my favorite part of life in all aspects. And it's like, yeah, I want to open a coffee shop in Detroit. Never opened a business before. Guess I have to figure that out. So that's, you know, go back to 2012. That's what I did. So, you know, it's it's weird because you know, I was just talking to my dad right before we got on this this podcast, and I was like, you know. I didn't open up three years ago. I didn't know how to open a coffee shop. So now everything I don't know now, I'm like, well, I didn't know that a few years ago anyway. So just keep trying, keep going. You know, it's kind of how I live. And yes, some people think it's a little crazy, a little nuts, but I, I always say I'm happier than I've ever been. I may be more tired. I may be more broke, but you know what? I'm happy. So I think I'm doing something right. So. I think if we let what we didn't know stop us from doing stuff, we wouldn't get anything done. No, no. We'd all just be standing around like, well, you know, rack Guess and that's file. the end of the day. That's it. We get up, we do a job, we go home, we go to sleep, repeat. Like, that sounds awful. I was, I actually worked an office job for about just shy of five years and I hated it. So I stopped. That's good. It's good you stopped. Mm-hmm. Plus, come on, folks. You don't need <laughs> to know that much to do this. I think sometimes my special, like, what can you, what are you good at, Jeremy? Well, it's actually amazing what I can get done with how little I know. Like, for yeah. instance, I don't know what any of this equipment's doing right now. Okay. And I'm on episode 17. It's working. There you go, right? You don't actually need to know how to do shit, folks. Right. <laughs> so, did you always want to start a business and or a brick and mortar business? Well, I always, I kind of had this idea when I was in high school. I was 17 and I had a honors English class in my teacher, Matt, who's very, you know, like early 20s, wanted to call him by his first name. He was like, all right, I want you to describe a place, real or imaginary, and just describe a place like a full detail as like a writing exercise. And so I described a coffee shop with wood floors that was very like tan brown colored with art on the walls, locally sourced Wait a food. Second. Yeah. Look around. You might notice some of these things. And so it was just this idea. How old were you when you had 17. that idea? 17. At 17, I wrote okay. this out and I was like, you know it's going to have this and like, you know, it's bigger. The idea is bigger still than, than the coffee shop is, but every day it lives into it a little bit more, but it was just this idea I had at 17. And I was like, well, I don't have a lot of money and nobody I know really has a lot of money. So maybe I'll make money. And when I retire, I'll open a coffee shop. You're I got to be, retire and open a coffee that's shop. What I, that's what I thought. Cause I thought like <laughs> you have money when you're old cause you've worked all this time. So like that's, that's how the world works. I thought at 17. I got to be about 25 and I realized that I was never going to have enough money. I was never going to have enough time and I was just getting more and more tired. So I was like, well, screw it. I'll just do it now. So I quit my job 
I was working at an audio house doing um, audio production, music licensing, fun stuff. Don't get me wrong. So you probably know what all this is, even though I, I don't. I do. Yeah. I wasn't going to say anything, but I do know a lot of it. And it's, it's okay. It's not that complicated. I mean, I have a degree, like my, my arts degree is like audio production focus. That's what it's about. But it's like we took two classes on what those knobs do. The rest of it is just like how to make things sound really good if you're like mixing an album and, and things like I that. I have no idea what those knobs do. Yeah. So it's, it's fine. It. It's okay. You, you, if it's working, you're fine. You know, I trial and error but yeah so i i was doing all this audio production stuff and it was great and it was a small company in lansing it's called harvest creative services um i went to my boss and i said you know steve i think i'm going to uh open up a coffee shop in detroit i want to just i want something i want to do for a long time i think i'm just going to do it and he's like how old are you and at the time i was like 26 27 he's like oh i started this business when i was 28 so you should totally do it keep your laptop good luck Keep your laptop. Good luck. <laughs> so that's like, that's how it happened. So I moved back to Detroit. I grew up in Metro Detroit. Moved to Detroit proper. I moved downtown because I knew it was like the one chance I would be able to afford to do such a thing because people were starting to get hip to live in downtown. This is, you know, 2011. So I, I got a really cheap, crappy apartment downtown. I mean, right in Campus Marsh, just right, right downtown. And I would walk to work at Joe Mears. Cadillac, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The Cadillac Square Apartments. And so it was this little, you know, they haven't renovated that since like the 70s or 80s. I mean, there's plaster falling in. I had one wall in my apartment that just like always had a hole in it. I was like, oh, that's life. There's plaster on the floor. It's Detroit. This this is how Walls have holes, right? Exactly. So I didn't let it bother (laughs) me, but you know, my parents were like, you're going to live here? My dad was like, cool. My mom's like, I don't know about this. But you know, we, we did it. So get the apartment got a job at joe Mir seafood downtown because i i'd always done fine dining and waiting tables that was easy I, I think i was unemployed for approximately two three days and everyone's like amanda you should rest and, and three days later i had a job waiting tables like a fine american you are i i just like working it's a sickness i know but I, it's not a sickness who i am so. yeah <laughs> you're like the that. people everybody else gets to steal money from no, they should all no. thank you yeah <laughs> somebody has to do the work right yeah, i like so I don't tell everybody, but uh, I went and, and got a job at Joe Muir's, which was walking distance, 10 minute walk from my apartment. So I just would like That's walk. Awesome. It was, it was great. Well, I worked doubles. I'd work the morning shift, go home, take a nap, eat some food, then go back to work for the dinner shift. It was a good lifestyle for a while. And then I did that for you know, a few months. And then I was like, okay, well, I actually moved to Detroit to start a business. So could you guys give me two consecutive days off every week so that I could have business meetings and work on how to open a business? And they're like, sure, you work all the time. That's great. And so I still like maintain six shifts a week or more. And then on Thursdays and Fridays, I always spent doing meetings and like laundry and that kind of stuff. And I just started meeting with people who had businesses people who had businesses that I liked or had read about. And I was like, Hey, how'd you do this? I don't know what I'm doing. So you you were figuring out like, wait a second, I want to do this. I'm going to go hang out with people who've done it. Exactly. That's exactly. smart. Cause I mean, they're doing it like I easy, right? I mean, they're doing it. So they, they obviously figured it out. So I was like, I'm going to go have a meeting with them. I wasn't that smart. I wish I was. I didn't do it like that. <laughs> That's what I did. That's I should have. I, I don't know. It just seemed like, I don't know. And, and the I was, smart thing to do? That's because it is. Uh, for me, it was like, well, what do you do in college Like when you've read a research paper? You have to like go interview people. So I was like, well, sh- you know, I'm essentially just doing a research paper on how to open a business. So let me just go meet with these people. So I blind emailed um, Ben Newman who was in the process of opening Detroit Institute of Bagels, which is a fine bagel establishment in Corktown. And I get Highly my bagels. successful, too. Very successful. They yeah. mean, they've... They've received very large grants to totally renovate a building. They they went all all the way. They bought a building that was a shell and totally rehabbed it with like all kinds of uh, repurposed wood. I mean, it's a really beautiful space and it's all like very you know it's gorgeous. It's great. Yeah, it's great. So it's amazing. 
So I met with him. He had just been in the Hatch Detroit competition. They were top 10 finalists. They did not win the money, but they were top 10 finalists. And that's huge. So I Wait, w- what is Hatch? So people listening oh, okay, might yeah, not yeah. know what so Hatch, Hatch is. So Hatch Detroit, let me back up. Hatch Detroit is um, an annual $50,000 award that is given to a business. So you apply for it. You essentially send them like a video and a paper and say, I want to open this kind of brick and mortar. It has to be a brick and mortar in Detroit. I want to open this kind of business. And then they, they narrow it down to 25 and they narrow it down to 10. They announce the 10 finalists and then people can vote for the top five businesses they go down to the top five and they have a big event and they pick one winner and that winner gets fifty thousand dollars to open up a brick and mortar in detroit which is pretty awesome it is it's like a dream competition if you're yeah. somebody wants to open a brick and mortar in detroit so but it's like what was that that singing one uh uh oh, like tv uh, show idol yeah it's like american yeah. idol for oh, detroit, brick and mortar brick and yeah. businesses exactly yeah. exactly so so they just like finished being in the top 10 and I was living in Lansing. I, I lived in Lansing and moved back to Detroit. My other production job was in Lansing. And so I moved back to Detroit, waiting tables at show mirrors and just started having meetings with Detroiters that I had literally been reading about in Lansing at my desk because I was like, I'm ready to go. So I emailed Ben. I'm like, Hey, you don't know me, but I saw that you were a finalist in Hatch and you're opening a bagel place. I think that's really cool. I want to open a coffee place. So probably kind of similar. Can we just meet for coffee? I'll buy you coffee. Can we meet up? And so we met at um, MOCAD, the Museum of Contemporary Art Design, um, in Midtown. And at the time, they had like a little coffee bar in it that Anthology Coffee was running. They're now another business as well, who are also awesome. But they do pour-overs, so I'm pro them. So yes. so we meet at Anthology's I'm little pop-up. I'm drinking one right now. Thank you, Amanda. There you go. There, yeah, in, uh, in MOCAD. And Ben and I sit down, and we were supposed to just meet for like a half hour. We were there for two hours. I was like, oh, crap. I probably got a parking ticket. But I didn't care because we just sat. And like first, we bullshitted about Detroit. And he was like, you got to be in this for the long haul because like there are some serious things still like evolving in the city and things don't move quickly and so you got to be like ready that this is going to be a pain in the ass essentially. so he was giving you the real deal he like, was and i was like thank it. you because yeah. i and i was like no i am i'm like putting down roots i'm gonna open a business here i'm here for a while this is what we're doing you know and he's like okay yeah me too and we bought a building and i'm like yeah i don't have the capital to buy a building but I'll take out some loans to make a building nice. Like I'll do it. And he's like, yeah, I know you can do it that way. And tell me about friends of his that are doing it. And we just had like this great, like pro Detroit, pro business. We're nuts and we know it. We don't care conversation. And it was like, that was my first meeting with someone that was like, okay, someone talking to me about real stuff who doesn't think I'm crazy. Awesome. So that's, that was my meeting with Ben. And I, he told me about food lab Detroit which is an entrepreneur group that I'm a member of. I'm on the steering committee and I actually won their business award last year, which was awesome and totally unexpected. And I have this cool cutting board with my name on it uh, from them. <laughs> but Food Lab, yeah, Food Lab Detroit is, we have 160 members now, all food businesses in, in Detroit and Metro Detroit. Some of them are brick and mortars, some are caterers, some just pop up and do events here and there. It's all food, very locally focused. We're triple bottom line focused, which if you're not familiar with triple bottom line, it's uh, people, planet, product. Profit. So people, planet, profit. profit. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, we're not just in it to make money. I know. Whoa. Whoa. Everyone's like, that's crazy. No, but we really want to like make a good impact on the people, the communities that we're in and not ruin the earth. So what you're saying is you don't swim in piles of money at the end of every day. I don't. Not yet anyway. I don't. And I'm, and I'm okay with it right now. But if you did, they'd be eco-friendly money. (laughs) They would. I would be using that money to buy more compostable cups. Um, so yeah, but so food lab was a, was a group at the time that was just Ben and like four other people meeting at a 
kitchen table talking about how they're going to open businesses in the city. Now we have 160 members. I'm on the steering committee. We just became a 501c3. We're a nonprofit. So like that's something I've watched grow. And so like, yeah, I've been in Detroit now. I moved here at the end of September 2011. It's 2015, you know, several years later. And it's like so much has happened. So I mean, it's a huge difference. It's crazy. I mean, I've been in business. The coffee shop's been open for two and a half years. And the 26th, actually Thanksgiving this year, is the three year anniversary of when we did our first pop up to try out the space and that was three years ago and it feels like 20 years and it feels like yesterday all at the same time it's just crazy so a pop-up so for people listening i know there's so many buzzwords i'm like i gotta pull back i gotta pull back well so detroit centric (laughs) and the audience is is global so what is a pop-up so i always say when i'm on panels for pop-ups because i get i've been on a few that pop-up is this like sexy term for i'm gonna open up here for a little while that's what it is. So it's a temporary uh, establishment. It could be a food business. It could be a clothing business. It could be any kind of business that you're, you're going to open up in a location, maybe for a day, maybe for three months, maybe six months, maybe even a year just to test it out. But the whole idea is that you're testing something. It's either building brand awareness or you're testing out the market to see if you want to open a location there. That was why I did it. Or you're just... You're just like, well, I'm starting this out and I want to see if this business idea works. And so all of those are pop-ups. Um, in Detroit, we even sometimes consider like farmer's markets. If you go around and do like a vending event and a farmer's market, that's, that's a pop-up too. You're doing it where you're trying out temporary things. Yeah, you're just trying out a market idea, see if you can't make exactly. some money from it, right? Exactly. So three, almost three years ago, you did a pop-up we right did. here in this current space. In this very space. It was very different. Uh, when we got here, it was a neighborhood city hall that had been closed for a year and a half. So it was an office space. White walls, semi-gloss, that wall over there and that wall over there were like royal blue to Ugh. like accent the wall. It looked like crap. Accent it looked the like wall. total, total <laughs> crap. It was just ugly and very jarring. And I remember I brought my mentor that I had at the time in and he's like, you're going to make that a coffee shop? You're going to make that inviting? That looks like shit. And I'm like, hey, man. Vision I can do it here. Vision. Yeah. So yeah. paint on the walls. We'll clean it up. It'll be great. You know? And so I really had to, I'm selling him. I'm selling everyone. No, we can do this. And so we painted the walls. We cleaned up the carpet that I think had been here since the seventies and was like starting to fall apart as we were cleaning it. But we just cleaned it up as well as we could, put some duct tape over it, put a rug over that. And we're just like, okay, it's a coffee duct shop tape now. Duct tape and a rug fixed. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Look at it. It's homey and nice now. You know, we're like doing this like, yeah, it's going to work. I swear. So we did the pop-up where we just cleaned up. We borrowed lamps and chairs. We, uh, the park players is like a play group that's here that does like plays. We borrowed some props from them literally as for chairs and tables and just were like, okay, it's a coffee shop now. Come buy coffee. And people came in the first day and they just looked at me like, are you serious? This isn't a coffee shop. Where's the espresso machine? Where's my latte? And I was like, Hey, it's a pop-up. It's pretend. We're playing pretend here. Come in. Pour overs. Buy a pour over. That's all I got. Pour over tea and like some juices is all I had. And so you essentially walk into Humble space. Humble beginnings. <laughs> you walk into space <laughs> and you see me with this shelf with holes in it and pour over. You know, you have the little the little vessels for the pour overs. I had four of them on a shelf, cups underneath, and I had three uh, hot water kettles that I bought at Meyer. that I literally, the only plumbing was in the back of the building. So I'd run to the back, fill it with water and turn it on. If I saw anyone pull up, I was like, turn it on because it took like 90 seconds to heat up. And so I'm like, <laughs> oh no, there's three people walking in and I just turn all the kettles on. And I'm like, hi, I'm here to play coffee shop now. You know, and they're like, this girl's nuts. And I told people when I was doing, like, people who'd done pop-ups, because they're like, where did you get the water line from? And I'm like, um, I'm just going to use hot water kettles. They're like, you're going to do what? That's a horrible idea. And I'm like, no, it's going to work. And it did. And it they did work, yeah. 
you know, people just had to be patient. And they were like, well, It's not elegant, but it would no, fit the budget, but it right? worked. Yeah. It worked, you know, I and I pulled it off. Those are $30 kettles. I bought three of them, 90 bucks, and I had coffee machine. Yeah. So, you know, think outside the box. Don't Sometimes beginnings are very humble. And yeah. you were testing an idea. You didn't want to spend yeah. a shit ton of money, right? I wasn't going right? to buy a bun coffee maker for like a grand and like, oh, I hope this works. Like, yeah. No, that's no. a horrible idea. See, that's more like how I started my first business. <laughs> For everything in, oh, it didn't work. I just lost a shit ton of money. <laughs> no, that would be the dumb way to do it. Yeah, no, me, it's like, <laughs> I've been poor a long time. We'll make this work. Yeah. <laughs> we'll figure this out. So, you know, and that that's what we did. And so, you know, people to this day are like, pour over. That's going to take forever. But it's like, I have an on-demand water heater now that's plugged in. It take, That water is hot always it'll be fine and i'll make people pour overs i hand it to me like oh it's already made i'm like yes it doesn't take that long no, you looked at your not. iphone longer than you talked to me so don't worry about it it's fine <laughs> so that was you know there was what is education. a pour over because not all of america has embraced not, coffee the no, way detroit has no late, and, so. and when i did pour overs i think there was um there was Red Hook and there was Astro was doing them. There were only a handful in anthology. There was like a handful of people that are, were doing pour overs at the time. Like I wasn't the first to do it, um, but I was doing it early enough that people didn't know what it was when they came in. Um, so what it is, I always say it's like a manual drip coffee. So you, you grind, and I grind everything when you order it. So that we have nothing ground, nothing's ready. And people that freaks people out all the time. What do you mean? It's not ready. It's like, relax again with the, with the America. It only takes down. 30 seconds to grind down. your coffee people. Please. So you pick <laughs> your bean, you pick your bean. I throw it into the grinder. I grind it. I put it into this. I feel like I should grab it, but it's like this little, this little cone. You can grab it if you want. Right, yeah. I don't want to bump it. Yeah, no, it's okay. So, That's a cool thing about this podcast. We can do it like this if we want to, right? So you got this little cone, right? And you put a cone. You got to talk into it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. The microphone. That's okay. So you've got this cone here, and you put the filter in, and you put the grounds in, and then you pour hot water over top, and then the coffee comes out the bottom. It's it's very like simple. Single serve drip. Single serve drip. And then it's I'm not wasting it. It's super fresh. I mean, it's like people are like well, why is it better and it's like well you've been to a diner they cook that stuff on a burner or it's cold or it's kind of funky because it's been sitting there this is like you watched me grind it and now it's in your hand in a cup like this is why i it's do it it's way better it's, it's way, way better. better and it's not as wasteful i'm not throwing out you know because i would because i want you to still have a fresh pot you know tim hortons they throw it out every hour it's like how much coffee are they wasting well that shows you how quality it is yeah but anyway i digress. two bucks a pound i, I doubt they care yeah, yeah. you're not so, paying two bucks a pound no for your no coffee. no everything i get is super <laughs> more like 12 bucks a pound yeah, yeah. if not 14 or 15 right, exactly bucks a we could go there but we won't go there but yeah it's really expensive <laughs> living in the trunk of your car but yeah 18 dollar a pound coffee yeah i mean priorities really but <laughs> you fit in great in seattle in the yeah. 90s like, i think there are people homeless drinking five dollar cups of coffee exactly wouldn't, wouldn't go to denny's mm -hmm. that's where i live that's the place i live <laughs> if you haven't tried a pour over yeah. folks you should come to alwaysbrewingdetroit.com try one it's yeah. awesome she completely converted me i was a french press guy mm -hmm. and i come in i get i rarely order a french press no. now i almost always i get a latte or a pour over just if it's ethiopian harar then you get a french press yeah i love that <laughs> that's good certain beans certain beans you treat them certain ways but frank yeah. calls that god's coffee and i'm pretty sure if there's a god that's the coffee that's he does the coffee. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's that good there you go and that's yeah we still do french press but pour over is kind of our main steak just because it's it's where we started and it's simple and people get it and it tastes similar to a drip coffee french press freaks people out if they're not into coffee because it's like really bold taste and it's almost like you're chewing it they're like whoa what is this you know so so drips good because it's a good you know especially if you're not a coffee freak you're like oh i get that so that's why we do it 
I love them. I'm glad you, you introduced them to me. Oh, so hopefully they understood that on the podcast. You can go yeah. watch it on YouTube to see what she was yeah. talking about. Yeah, it's Google cool pour little... over. There's tons of videos Good on the point. internet of it, I'm yeah. sure. It's a great yeah. idea. So. so after the pop-up, what happened after the pop-up? <laughs> so I did the pop-up, and it was 28 days because you get two. In De- at the time, and now they do do it differently, but at the time in the city of Detroit, you could get a license for for two weeks, for 14 days. That's what your, your temporary food license from the health department is, 14 days. And so I got two of them, 28 days back to back, which was like they had to come inspect me the first day of both. So I had two inspections in 28 days. Very how it was set up. Now you can get them for like a couple months and they get that like, oh, pop-ups, people do this. At the time, they're like, what do you mean temporary business? Blazing trails. They had no idea what, what you're talking, talking about. about. They thought, they thought, you know, if you get a temporary license, it's like you're popping up at the fair selling corn dogs. You know, I'm like, no, I'm gonna be a, <laughs> I'm gonna be a coffee shop for like a month. And they're like, what? What is? Who does that? That's ridiculous. So, they they've gotten better at it. But at the time, it was very weird. And then I had to fill out this paperwork, and I had to like draw a schematic of where the the where I was gonna wash my hands because like that's a problem. And you know, just lots of craziness. So so that's better now. But at the time, it was crazy. And so I do this for 28 days, and I worked. We were open 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. every day. Every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And we're open late on Thursdays for our pop-up craft or, you know, whatever the event was. We had a craft night. We had an open mic. We had a dinner. We did all these different, like, things that we would have at the shop normally, but we had to cram it into a month. And I was like, I want to get the most out of this test. I'm going to do it. So I did all that. Why did we close at 3 o'clock? Because at 4 o'clock, I waited tables every yeah. night still to pay the bills. Bills still need to be paid. Yeah, that's so the bad I, part of starting a business. I worked 95 hours a week, and I lost 14 pounds. That's what happened during the pop-up. God bless America. <laughs> and I came out of the pop-up, and I sat down with my mentor from TechTown, um, Darren Lepic, who he now works for a different organization, but he was my mentor. And he actually has mentored a couple coffee shops, so that was cool. And he, we sit down, we look at the numbers, I could have killed him. He says, well, it could really go either way. <laughs> and I was like, no, it won't. It I was won't succeed. like, I literally, I think I said, and we were in the coffee shop and there were customers. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. What do you mean it could go either way? I just spent 20 days killing myself to prove that this is viable. And he's like, it's your call. He says, I mean, the numbers are there. There's interest, but they're low. But if you added Wi-Fi, which we couldn't do during the pop-up because no, like, because Comcast doesn't understand what the pop-up is. Yeah, they don't care about that. Yeah, I was like, pop-up could I, internet. Could no. I get internet for a month? They're like, no, you must sign away your firstborn and yes. get a blood sample. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> no. And then I tried to do like Comcast is the evil oh, empire. It's crazy. And then I tried to do like you know a card through my phone and get people to like hotspot off my phone. That was insane. Like nothing worked. So I didn't have Wi-Fi for the pop-up, which was a big deterrent because people came yeah. in and they wanted to like have the coffee shop experience, which involves internet. So especially in Detroit. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I, even using using Wi-Fi while I was a pop-up was impossible. Like I'd go to McDonald's and it would drop off and there's nowhere else around here that has Wi-Fi. So even to this day, we've been open two and a half years and people come in, you have Wi-Fi? And I'm like, yes, welcome to 2015. It's we a have Wi-Fi. Yep. So, um, but I didn't have Wi-Fi and I didn't have a sign. That was my other big downfall of the pop-up. We didn't really have a legitimate sign that you could see. We had like a little A-frame up front and we had a banner hanging off the front of the building. But Grand River, if you're not familiar, most of you probably won't be, Grand River in Detroit is a major spoke 
city of Detroit, spokes like a wheel. We have major roads. Grand River's one of them. And people drive, even though it's 35, 55 is the norm. And so people are driving and they, they drive in the parking lane and cut each other off. And it's just really crazy. And so people aren't like moseying down Grand River like, oh, look, a new coffee shop. They're more like, oh, you get out of my way. And like, don't kill anyone. And that's like how they drive down Grand River. And so fast people didn't see us. People didn't know we were here. In fact, people who knew we were here would miss us because they'd be like trying not to die while driving and miss the tiny little sign we had and so signage was a big downfall and we didn't have wi-fi and so darren was like well you could make the case if you had a sign on wi-fi that you would do really well people would find you and you'd be in business or you could say hey fuck it i just worked 95 hours a week for four weeks i'm tired i didn't make enough money and i don't want to do it and i'm done you could go either way and i just remember being like nauseous about that like what do you think he was testing you of course he was he always tests me that's why he's a good mentor because yeah. he just said things like that to me he's trying to give time. you an out to see what you would exactly. do exactly well when he i brought him to the space the first time he's like well that looks like shit how are you gonna make that cozy and it was like i'm going to you know but yeah. it was like i you know i had to like always convince him which made him a great mentor i mean darren i always talk very positive about darren because he 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 told me like it was all the time and he made it my decision and he gave me the good and the bad and said you choose which i hated him for at the time but in especially you know, after 95 hours you're probably a little cranky I anyway i was so tired and hungry and just you know lots yeah of you things. lost 14 pounds yeah i did in a month i guess you forgot to eat <laughs> i you did know? well i was just too tired like food didn't even look good i was like oh more coffee and we didn't have lattes so i was just drinking black coffee like five calories that's all i had all day it was just it was bad but good. And yeah, so maybe not the healthiest diet. It wasn't. We call I don't it the startup, it. the startup brick and mortar diet. <sighs> I have so many friends now that I, I have friends with lots of entrepreneurs that are all like that. Like, Oh my gosh, the first year we were open, I lost all this weight and I almost died and all this. And then, like now we're all good. Cause like we're functioning again, but like that rough patch, like if you know someone who opened a business and they look like that, just like bring them a cookie and like, they'll get over it. I promise. Like <laughs> Buy them a burger it'll, a it'll help their life. Buy them food and a be their Chinese friend. Food. Let them vent and yeah. it'll be fine. But, yeah. um, <laughs> seriously um so i i finished the pop-up it was november 26th again with the 28 days november 26th to december 23rd 2012 literally the day before christmas eve we closed so i told my landlord i was like i'm gonna leave all that stuff in there i'm gonna go have christmas with my family and i'll come back in january so that's what i did i went and i had christmas with my family i was a zombie during that christmas i don't really even remember that christmas i was just there physically like i don't know what i just did and i don't know what i'm gonna do but here i am and then i spent the first week of january literally like sleeping and just trying to like rehabilitate myself and about the second third week of january my landlord calls and he's like so we can talk about a lease <laughs> and i'm like oh god oh yes we should we should talk about a lease and i'm i'm gonna do this i, I remember sitting across the, the table from my mom and she was like you're gonna do this because i told her because i i'll be candid i lost money on the pop-up we didn't yeah. make money we lost money because the startups like you know 90 dollars in uh electric kettles doesn't sound like a lot but i also had to buy you know the carpet and the coffee and the tea and the things to make the tea in and the cups i mean there were so many little things they add up and so i lost money on the pop-up and so my mom's like you just did a business for a month and you lost money and and my mom is not super pro she's, she likes detroit but she's not super pro detroit she's like in detroit and you're this girl and you're by yourself and you're gonna do this you know she was like kind of like are you sure you can change your mind you can change your mind and i'm like no mom. no i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it so second week of january um we get this opportunity i get this phone call from detroit soup and they said, okay, we're doing this new thing. If you're not familiar with Detroit Soup, again, disclaimer, Detroit thing. Detroit Thank Soup you. is a dinner where you go and you pay $5. Like you, anyone can take, you, 
your neighbor, me, anybody. We go to this big empty space in New Center um, on the north end. It's on West Grand, East Grand Boulevard, two, 2900 East Grand Boulevard. It's the Jam Handy building. It's an old old building that's like down to the rafters but it's really cool inside it's awesome i've been the two of them now. yeah it's yeah. amazing so you go and you pay five dollars and they have four pre-selected presenters who are doing a project opening a business they need money for something right so everybody comes pays five bucks it all goes into a literally a pot and everybody presents and the person who wins gets the money in the pot now the soup aspect of it is that they have soup salad and bread donated and so then people get food so you're essentially paying five bucks to have dinner and hear inspiring stories and vote for which one you think deserves money so it's actually really powerful and it's a good time it is it's a great time a lot of cool people networking yeah it's a it's a micro lender i mean it's all those things that in one one night experience it's great so i get the call from detroit soup and kiva which is another kiva is a micro lender that they were launching their detroit version of it because kiva they actually loan money a lot of times to like third world countries like you can loan 25 bucks to a lady who's making dolls in somewhere in africa and that's how she's going to make her money to feed her kids so that's what kiva originally was well now they have them like in cities and other places that need help and so they have a detroit kiva and you can loan money to detroit businesses that need money for things and so they said we're launching detroit kiva and we're partnering with detroit soup to do a big launch event and so we're gonna have four businesses present and pitch their ideas to the crowd and win the money and it's going to be cool because it's only going to be businesses because the thing with soup is if you're a business and like a cute kid needs money for dance class the cute kid's gonna win yes so i've I, noticed that yeah you know it it's the thing i mean come on that's just you have well, yeah people we, are gonna vote they're gonna hearts. see the kid and they're gonna be like oh screw exactly. you guys this exactly. kid's winning yeah i get it so they came to me and they're like hey it's gonna be four businesses so level playing field and we'd like you to be one of the people who are pitching and i was like uh yes of course because even if you don't win the money the amount of publicity you get that you have Absolutely. a couple hundred people in a room yep. that's why you do it so i was like i'm in whatever tell You'll me probably sell 10 up. cups of coffee just by going yeah right? i'm going so yep. i'm going so i i find that out and i have like i think a few days notice that i need to like get something ready to talk because you get to speak for four or five minutes i don't to this day i can't tell you what i said i just like made a bullet point list of things i wanted to mention and got up there and blacked out and just talked for five minutes and then people applauded so you did a good job. I guess. Did you have anybody know. recording it? No, I don't think I did. Man. Because what I did is I- If I'd known you then, I would have recorded right? it. Right? Well, I brought coffee to it. And Great I gave idea. away free coffee. Because I asked yeah. them, I said, can I just, because I guess another person was a baker. So they were bringing Vote for cookies. me. Yeah. Well, the bakery place was bringing cookies. So I was like, Psh, can I bring coffee? And they're like, yes. So I gave away over 300 cups of coffee. Oh my God. Because Detroit Soup had been featured on like 2020 or like some news show. So everybody came. It was the biggest soup they'd had to re- to date at that time. It was over 300 people. The pot was eight, um, almost $1,900. And so I pitched first. And I didn't even know. I didn't realize that many people were there because I was just coffee, coffee. And I, you know, just give me a coffee. And all of a sudden, they're like, we're going to get started in a few minutes. I'm like, okay. And I kind of like lift my head up. And I look around. I'm like, oh, shit. There's like 300 people in here. And so I get up and I like the only part I remember of what I said is I got up and I was like, hi, I was just serving coffee. How are you guys? <laughs> My name is Amanda. I have a coffee shop in Rosedale Park that I just did a pop-up for and we're going to open permanently. And so they asked me to come and pitch and we really need an espresso machine. And I see people in the audience and that was the thing when I was serving the coffee, I kept seeing faces I knew from the pop-up. And so I said, is anybody in the audience from uh, Grandmont Rosedale? That's my neighborhood. Like three tables were like, yeah, Amanda. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, shit. I got this. I got oh, this. Oh, man. So I get up there and I just like, like I said, I just talked about our locally sourcing, people we work with, what we'd done during the pop-up, what we wanted to do. 
And then I was done. And I went back to serving more coffee. And three other people presented. And I they were about to announce the winner. And I had this moment where I was like, oh, that'd be really cool if we won. But like, shit, all these people now know about my shop. So I'm like Hell in a yeah. good place. I don't care what happens. You came with a good attitude. You're winning no matter what. I was like, yeah, I'm yeah. good. So I'm like, just I'm literally pouring someone coffee. And they're like, and the winner's always brewing Detroit. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's me. So I like to go up there and they hand me this newspaper that has money wrapped in it. Just this like wad of newspaper. And they're like, here's $1,800. That's, that's so Detroit. Here's a wad of cash and newspaper. And so I just Have looked at nice my dad. <laughs> looked at my dad and I'm like, don't walk away from me. I'm everyone in this room knows I'm holding $1900 in cash in a newspaper. Don't leave me here by myself. So that, that was like, But for me that was the moment cuz my whole family came. My mom came. Hell yeah. The, the the one who was are you sure about Detroit? My dad, my niece, my sister, whatever. Everybody's there. And my mom's cousin came, which like my mom's family is, you know, close but like none of them had seen anything. And so that night, my mom looked at me and was like, you're really doing this. Those people really like you. You're and for me, that Detroit Soup was the validation that my mom accepted I was opening a coffee shop. Because she finally like saw that it wasn't just me in my head being like, no, people want a coffee shop. Like People she didn't know were like giving me money. And she was like, oh, crap. Like This is going to happen. It's real now. So that, for me, Detroit Soup was a big turning point. And so I walked away from that with $1,800, almost $1,900. And I went like a week later and signed my lease. And that was the 1st of February in 2012. And then the 4th of February in 2012, I signed $20,000 in loans to do the build out. Yep. That's the, that's another not so nice part about yep. starting a business. Yep. A brick and mortar, lots of money up front. And so, yeah, I like my loans. It was so funny. My lease was the first, my loans were the 4th, February 2012. I signed up for three years of loans, a three year lease and. Out, out I went and everybody was like, well, what happens if it doesn't work out? I was like, well, then I'm going to wait tables and keep making a large loan payment every month yeah. and that's going to be my life. And so that's why I set everything up very strategically to be like the lease and the loans are together. If this goes well, we'll have both of them grow. If it goes to crap, it's only three years. You know, it was very, it's I was only three years. That could be a long three years. True, true. But it was like, you know, I also didn't want to have like a one year lease and like it go great. And then me get like out because somebody saw how great it was and took my spot, you know? So you kind of want to, when you're making a lease and again, this isn't like legal advice, but like Hell for no. me, it was like, you want to have enough leeway to be able to see if it's a good thing, if it's going to grow. Cause sometimes, I mean, I experienced a slow climb. Like it was a slow climb. We've had improvement every month we've been here, but it not like, Oh yeah. Yeah, we're making tens of thousands of dollars, like hundreds of dollar increases. And they, that's what you want, but it's, it's you need some time to see if it's going to catch on and people are going to need time to find out you exist. And, and coffee is a habitual thing, so they got to ha- develop the habit of coming to you. So for me, three years seemed like a comfortable amount of time to try it out and give it the time to grow. And now, we, you know, it's been two and a half years and I'm like, yeah, it's growing. And I'd say you've been, you've known me a year and a half. I'd say over the last year has been the real growth, like maximizing and growth. So. I know I try and come every day. Yeah. I try so, and come. I'm not coming tomorrow you. though. That's okay. I'm skipping that one. That's a, yeah. I'm not going to tell why. But. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what's up. <laughs> yeah. I warned you out about that yeah. earlier today. I There's made an sure event you happening didn't leave that. and you yeah. don't want to attend it. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. I, otherwise I try and come every day because yeah. you're right. There was there was no coffee shop. You can't no. call that other one a coffee shop. There's no good coffee. There there's like there's other coffee shops, but for what we're trying to do where it's the quality like for me, everyone asks, Oh Amanda, why are your lattes so good? 
I don't put secret stuff in my lattes. I don't. No. It's coffee, really good coffee, really high end coffee, and really quality milk. It's local milk. It's local beans. I'll tell you who it's from. You can try to make it at your own house. Like I don't like. I, there's no secrets here. I just do it, and I do it in an environment that is very community centered, very welcoming. We have toys for kids. We have uh, senior citizen groups that meet here. I mean, literally all ages, all groups, all walks of life. We've got a two dollar hot chocolate if you don't have a lot of money. We can do a six dollar triple shot espresso drink if you want to do that we try to meet all audiences and that's that's why i think it works in detroit in a neighborhood that's solid but still has not so solid around it yeah that was so where we're at in detroit maybe you can explain that to people who are listening it's like a little enclave you know it is it's rosedale park so it's Grandmont Rosedale neighborhood is how they've like branded it. And it's the five neighborhoods. It's Rosedale, North Rosedale, Grandmont, Grandmont one and Minock park. It's all five neighborhoods and it's smart. It's so smart. They had a couple solid neighborhoods, a couple neighborhoods that were nice, all great housing stock. And they said, well, let's just team up and call it Grandmont Rosedale and have all five. This is 25 years ago. They did, they established Grandmont Rosedale development corp. And that's the nonprofit neighborhood association that makes sure this area is awesome. And that's why it does well. And any neighborhood in Detroit that's doing well, whether it's Indian village or like Palmer park, they have usually a very solid. You have to self govern basically. Yeah, exactly. You're not getting much leadership from downtown. Yeah. And Grandmont Rosedale is like a leader in that. I mean, they have block captains and a neighborhood patrol, and they are one of the driving forces behind the uh, special assessment district, which is where they're going to actually pass legislation so that when you buy a house in Detroit, in Rosedale Park, and hopefully all of Detroit eventually, you have a special assessment, an amount of money that's added to your, to your house bill or your mortgage or whatever that covers snow removal, security, and essentially, so we self-govern because the city still isn't there yet. Yeah. And I, I, I there's it'll be the only return on their money they ever get, right? Well, that's, the best money that's they ever the spent. thing. People have been spending money. I mean, we have high taxes. That's a publicly known thing, a nationally known thing. We, uh, Detroit, you have lots of high taxes, but you're not getting a lot for it. So it's yeah. like, well, we have to pay it anyway. You know, shit, just throw a couple extra bucks on it. And then we actually have what we want. Let's do it. And so Grandma Rosedale actually has been a big pusher in making sure that that gets on the bill. And so they're collecting signatures in the next few months to like get it on a ballot so that it happens. And, and it's all because of the organization around here. And that's people coming to my coffee shop who don't know the area. And they'll say, Oh man, your coffee shop has really like helped this community. And we've been part of it, but damn it, Grandma Rosedale was awesome before I got here. I like fell into the amazing neighborhood and got to open a coffee shop there. It was mutually beneficial. I wanted a solid neighborhood. They wanted a coffee shop. That's how it happened. And, and so that's Northwest Detroit or Northwest Detroit. We are in Rosedale Park, which is very close, like a hop, skip and a jump outside of Livonia and Redford, like outside of the city. Very easy Northwest. To get to. Very yeah. easy to get to. I'm right off of Southfield Freeway. The lodge isn't far. 96 one exit away. We're very centrally located and that really sold me on the area. Plus, I have parking, street parking with no meter and we have a lot on either side of us. One's my landlord's lot, one's ours. And so we have like parking, we have lighting, we have a stable neighborhood. I mean, I went, you know, before the pop-up to go back even further, I drove all over the city and looked in multiple different neighborhoods and there was always a deal breaker. It was like, oh, this building's great, except there's no parking or, oh, this building sucks and I don't have the money to put in a roof and bathrooms and the landlord's not working with me and whatever. And so there was a lot of pieces to the puzzle to make it to where we are now. Yeah, Detroit's such a tough place. Like, why didn't you, why did, why did you open a coffee shop in Detroit? Why not? Birmingham, like uh, Eli, you know? Why, why yeah, not my tea, something? My tea guy has a place in Birmingham, which is the only reason why I ever go to Birmingham. His tea is fucking great, too, his, by the his way. His tea is awesome. And he, he's trying to do tea with an American 
side to it. So like, yes, of course, tea comes from China and India, but he sources as many local ingredients as he can. He has an Oregon, you know, U.S. driven Oregon mint tea, Traverse City Cherry Festival. That's even Michigan based. They're all great. It's great stuff. And so, yeah, Eli, you know, he wanted like high end tea bar was cool with Birmingham, walkable downtown. Me, I wanted I didn't want that. Like I didn't, if you had said, Amanda, here's a great space in Birmingham. You could have it. I would be like, not my, my scene. I looked at a spot on the East side that was literally on the border of Gross Point in Detroit. And it was so on the border that I wasn't sure which it was. And I went and looked at it and the guy said, the guy looks right at me and he goes, don't worry. You're in Gross Point. I said, okay, well, thank you so much. I don't want to be here. Bye. I wanted to be in Detroit so bad because Detroit, Detroit needs it. Like Detroit needed like central, it needs points where people can have meetings and, and so that it can grow. And that's like, that's, I wanted to be part of a community, be a place in Detroit. I have so many people come in here and they're like, this is so nice. And it's in Detroit. And they say it with like the the question, it's in Detroit. And I'm like, Hey, you know what? We have nice things here and we're going to have more nice things here. So stop with that. Like I, and I, Big part of it, when I lived in Lansing, I was at the audio production house before I quit my job. I had clients from Grand Rapids in Lansing and all over the country who I talked to and they're like, oh, Detroit. Yeah, it's not like that, man. You know, they were very negative. And I was like, no, I love Detroit. And I always have. My dad grew up on the east side, went to Denby. He used to take us to Belle Isle and the fireworks and the Thanksgiving Day parade. So we can blame this on your dad? Oh, yeah. He sold me (laughs) on Detroit. My whole life was like, Detroit's awesome. And I was like, yeah, dad, it's great. My grandpa was a Detroit police officer. You know, he used to take us out. We just, we went to Greek town when it was Greek. I mean, I have all these great positive memories of Detroit. I mean, when I was a kid, we go to the Thanksgiving Day parade and you're, you know, you're in the middle of Detroit downtown on Thanksgiving morning, all these strangers around. And I remember like these like little ladies being like, Hey, you're little, go sit up front. Hey, here's a, here's some balloons, you know, and like people were always just so friendly and welcoming. And I never thought bad things about Detroit. I mean, I knew I was aware. I'm not that naive. I was aware there were bad things happening, but like overall people there were good things happening too. People were good yeah. people in Detroit. Like there are some good people here, some hardworking, good people. And that's, you know, I wanted to showcase that. I wanted to be like, you know what? We have nice things here and I want to be part of it. And so I was like, I'm going to open a coffee shop in Detroit. That's what I'm going to do. And I, and I, and you know, dad took me there as a kid when I was 15, 16. I lived in Romulus. So it was 20 minutes outside of Detroit. I used to get in my old Buick, drive downtown, go to a show, you know, hang out. I'd call my mom on my, you know, my giant cell phone that was like, you know, bigger than this. Yeah. It came with a strap. And, yeah. It was like this giant thing. And I'd be like, mom, I'm at, uh, I'm at Grash It and something. Oh, never mind. I figured it out. Click and hang up. And my mom's like, I would have such a heart attack. I'm like, she's lost in the Cas Corridor. Where is she? You know, and it's like, it's I bet cool, that Cas Corridor was a little rougher back then it too, was it was back when it was the Cas corridor not yeah. midtown it was like legitimately rough and you know i just I, you know my dad taught me well of street smarts like don't talk to strangers don't roll down your window when people tap on it don't ever take your money out of your pocket you know there were things that, but that's like that's where detroit gets a bad rap because that's true if you're in chicago if you're in new york don't be stupid that's the rule that's yeah. it and downtown has always been a little nicer than some of the rest of the neighborhoods. True, too. Yeah. true. Yeah. And like, you know, my grandpa being a Detroit police officer, it's like some crazy statistic, like 90% of crimes are committed by people, you know, like, like random acts of violence are not common at all. Yeah. And people think in Detroit, like people are just going to murder you when you walk out of your car. That's not life. That's no, never been unfortunately, life. Unfortunately, it's probably your neighbor if you're living in most of the Exactly. Who knows that you have a lot of money and you've yeah. told them and you've read them in your house and showed them all the crap you have and yeah. then they rob you. Like that is more realistic yeah. than, than not. And so, yeah, I was just smart about it and, you know, whatever. So that that's how I always loved Detroit. I was always Detroit's cheerleader. 
um <laughs> i always like did events in detroit and so the coffee shop was going to be in detroit always mentally so you did a pop-up here and then you went out and you got a bunch of loans mm-hmm, 20, so, and then you won some money i won some money yep uh, and from detroit soup from detroit soup and then i spent february through june of 2012 doing the build out putting in the counter counter the floors the plumbing electrical it's like four or five months of build out right yeah and i was just honestly i was waiting tables and throwing money into the business i was like i had a home depot credit card i'd give to my dad and i would just go to work and i like he'd call me with questions and like that's how the build out happened um how did you design it? Like, did you, did you and your dad just walk <laughs> yes. in with like a tape measure? People, and- you know, it was funny. I got interviewed by a couple different publications <laughs> right before we opened and they wanted like the romantic story of like me and an architect and yeah, they're amazing. Romantic. And I was like, no, my dad and I got a yellow legal pad out and a pen and a pencil and literally drew it seven different ways and said, you know what? This is what we want to do. And then we came to the space and we taped it out. We measured and taped it out. And that was how we did it. You know, and, and it was, you know, it wasn't an architect. It wasn't a contractor. My dad is kind of a contractor, not licensed or anything, but he knows how to build things. And so, you know, if I said, Hey, we need this. And he's like, I don't know how to build that. It was like, okay, let's Google it. Let's go to Home Depot and ask them. I don't know. This is what we're doing. And that's, that's how we did it. And, you know, um, I, at the time I had, um, a fiance, which is always a touchy subject when I say that. I had a fiance. Oh, it happens. Yeah, it happens. He, he's, we're still friends. It's fine. But he, he and my dad did a lot of the build out and it was kind of perfect. I thought they might kill each other, but it was kind of perfect because he, because my, my, my ex is like very into like Googling things and watching videos and learning. And my dad's into like, ah, that's probably how it goes. Let's get the hammer. And so the two of them together, while they did fight a lot, um, <laughs> and just, just claim it, just claim it. That's not why I'm not engaged anymore, but they, yeah. but they were, they were very like they'd fight because like they just saw things very differently but it was good because then all ideas were exhausted you know if if my dad was really too crazy you know my ex would kind of pull him back and then if my my ex was like way into like over measuring my dad's like okay we just got to get it done and so it was like a really good you know mix of people to yeah, have because you're paying out. rent the entire time i'm you're paying rent the entire out, right? time i'm paying the dte bill yeah I'm paying all those with things. no customers right yeah so i just kept waiting tables and throwing money into it and being and if they called me on my break and were like hey we actually need a grand more i was like okay i'll pick up a couple more shifts and we'll just keep going and that's how we did the build out and we did like a soft opening because there was an event <laughs> Uh, Grandmont Rosedale Development Corporation wanted to have an event here in the, the end of June. And so I was like, okay, we just have to get good enough to open at the end of June for them to do that event. And that was, we did that. And then we did like a grand opening in mid July and that, and then we opened. So what did you have to do? Cause uh, this place was rough before you got in here. Yeah. What did you have to do to get it up to snuff? Well, the big things were plumbing and electrical, which we did have a plumber and an electrician come in and do. And then everything else, we just, you know, we painted the walls, we put in flooring, we put in a ceiling. The ceiling was a drop ceiling. So it was really just ugly. Not that it wasn't functional, it was just ugly and it wasn't sealed and the health department needs you to not have like, you know, dust from a drop ceiling falling on your food. So I found these tiles. We have like laminate. You can, you can see them in this shot. They're like, um, laminate faux tin tiles. I found them online for half the price they were anywhere else. So I ordered them on a whim. I ordered one to make sure it was like legit and it came and it was good. So I ordered like $3,000 worth of them. They showed up in like a, package from india and thank we put you india up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we just put them up there we appreciate your effort yeah it was it was crazy and i literally found them by googling they look cool i, I, I just googled decorate ugly ceiling decorate <laughs> decorate ceiling in restaurant and like it came up and it's called decorative ceiling so look at everything you don't have to know to move that forward was it. Yeah, yeah. Google, yeah, google it, it. that's how you do it 
So And then get out the credit card. Exactly. And yeah. be ready to go. But yeah, no, I've had friends who've put ceilings in like this and they tell me, Oh yeah, no, it's five, ten, fifteen grand. And I'm like, No, it's not. Like you I've just got houses find it. for less than you uh put yeah. into your ceiling, by the way. There it does go. look good though. There you go. I mean, but that's that, it was one of those expenses that came up after I took out the loan. So we had to like find three thousand dollars and I did it. You know, it was okay, we gotta do it. We're doing it. That's it. Um the chalkboards are paint on the walls with a frame around them. People always think they're real chalkboards. They're not. It's just the wall painting. I didn't even know that. Paint. That looks great. Great. Yeah, and the frame gives you what that optical idea. illusion that it it's does. a frame. It's oh, not. you totally fooled me. If you hadn't yep. told me, I never would have known. People don't know that. So. I guess you're not moving it. <laughs> no, no, we'll just paint over it and do it again. You know, I mean, that's that's that thing stay in there. So. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. paint over it and do it again. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we did it. I mean, that's so. There was lots of things like that. I mean, like the hand sink even is like a guy I worked with at the restaurant had an old restaurant. He was getting rid of stuff. He's like, hey, you need some hand sinks? I have one. Here's just one. so happens I do. Yeah, and so it was just um the tables and chairs in the shop. All of them except for one are from an old church my landlord owned that he was just going to throw everything out and he tried selling it. It wasn't selling. And so he's like, hey, I got these tables. Some need a leg or the chair needs some you know, waxing. Do you want them? And so I went over there and that's where all the tables and chairs came for free. Like that's that was it. The couches that are in the back are from Craigslist. Some guy in Birmingham was getting rid of them. He was moving. didn't want them. Just come pick them up for free. Really nice couches. People always say, where'd you get these couches? I like these. I'm like, some guy. Birmingham. Birmingham. Craigslist. Exactly. So just just ask people. I you know I teach a class an entrepreneurship called Build. It's a Build Institute. It's a nonprofit. And we do an eight-week class on how to like write a business plan. And some people, they're in business and they just need to organize. Some people just have an idea and they want to explore it. It's all facets of business owners who come to my class. And so I've taught it four times now. I'm almost done with the fourth class. And I tell them, it's like, you know, just ask. I know like as business owners, you have this like paranoia that someone's going to steal your amazing idea or take your deal. But like, that only happens if you tell them everything. Yeah. And it only happens if you tell them like a trade secret. Like obviously if you're Coca-Cola, don't go tell people how to make Coke. But if you're like a person who wants to open a coffee shop, guess what? That's not a new idea. And no one's going to open the coffee shop that's in your brain exactly the way you would do it. And they're not going to be you. No one can be you at your job. So it's okay if you tell people like this is what I'm going to do. Because guess what? Probably they have something you might need. You might be sitting next to a lawyer who could help you negotiate your lease. You might be sitting next to somebody who has a bunch of chairs and tables they were going to throw out from an old place. And that's exactly what you need for your business. I mean, that's happened to me multiple times. And so it's real. Like I tell people what you're up to because they might be able to help you. And that's like the Detroit business model that like kills people. That's great advice. It kills people. That's great advice. Yeah. Uh, your idea isn't that special and you're supposed to be telling people what you're doing anyway yeah. just get in a habit right I, yeah i meet people who are like new like new like they just have an idea and they're like well i have this great idea but i can't tell you and i'm like oh b- bullshit i don't believe you have a great idea yeah. that's why i think I, well i tell them it's like i have a coffee shop to run i'm not gonna go like steal whatever the hell you're trying to do like i don't care i just i thought i could help you but if you don't want to tell me that's your business but i think it's silly i think you should just tell me so yeah they usually do are you steve jobs <laughs> yeah, come I mean, on man yeah no so. yeah if you got a hundred million dollars and you're trying to come up with some way to break yeah. facebook that's fine yeah but, that's different but yeah. that's not if you're opening a coffee shop or a bagel shop <laughs> yeah, or something just, it's fine. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. So that's there are a know. lot of coffee shops in Detroit too, and uh, yeah. you're doing just fine. Yeah, right? there is, so. and we could if we could get a few more. Yeah, I met a guy the other day who wants to open one on Eight Mile, and I was like, "Sounds great. Tell me when it's open. I'll send people there." Yeah, and and working in your community is important. Like I, I had this great experience a couple of days ago. Um, the guy owns a hardware store down the street. He opened like six months after we did. It's called Hardware Express. It's a hardware store. It's not again not reinventing the wheel, but he's local. He lives in the neighborhood, and he used to work at a hardware store that burned down that wasn't too far from here, and he really wanted to open one. So he. He and his wife and his son opened this hardware store. And so when he opened, 
people were would come in here because I just done the build out. They're like, hey, where do you go to the hardware? And I said, well, I didn't go there, but this new hardware store just opened. It's down the street. It's called Hardware Express. And I would send people there just because like they needed a place. He was there. That's the right thing to do. He comes in three days ago. Three days ago. I mean, we're talking a year and a half. I've been sending people down there. And he's always at work. When I've gone down there, his wife waits on me and he says, oh, he's at work. He comes in three days ago and he says, hey, I'm looking for the owner. I said, you're looking at her. What do you need? I don't know who he is. And he says, well, I own the Hardware Express down the street. And I just wanted to come in and say thanks. And I said, okay. And he says, well, we get customers all the time. He said, you sent him down to our shop. And I said, cool. I'm glad they're going. I've been sending people. You know, if you've got a card or you have anything special promoting, let me know. I'll tell them. And he's like, well, I just want to say thanks. I mean, we've got a lot of business from you just sending people down here. And I'm like, cool. They need coffee. Send them here. You know, and yeah. he just laughed and, and that was it. I mean, he smiled and, and sure. But that's, that's how community works. Like, especially business owners. Like, in Detroit, especially, and I think everywhere, you are out here. No one's waiting for you to open up. You're not a unique snowflake. That everyone's like, oh, wow, I can't wait till Amanda opens that coffee shop. I love that. They don't care. You are not a unique snowflake. They don't care. You're not. No, they don't. They don't. So you should just tell people what you're up to. You should open, and then you should make friends with your neighbors so that they can send their friends, and you send your friends to their business. And it's a community. That's what a community is, and that's how it works. And honestly, two and a half years – that's like the bulk of my business is from people telling other people that they liked us. That's how it works. Joe Delia, my friend, would call that coming from a place of contribution. There you go. Okay. That's what he would call it. I like it, that. Right? I'll go with or it. Or it might be like the gift economy mm-hmm. or like that. But yeah. that's something I, I, I've seen you do. And actually, uh, remind me, I don't think I will forget to ask because <laughs> I'm trying to do it in yeah. some sort of yeah. logical order. We're trying order. to stay in order, but I go off on tangents. Because so. I want to talk, I want to ask you how you built your business and that, yeah. and that's part of it. Yeah. Um, but so from the time you had the idea and you started with the pop-up till the yeah. time you opened was how long? Okay. So we the did, hard open. Got it. So that was November of 2012 was the pop-up starting. And I'd say I signed a contract with Tech Town and started doing the business plan and like working on it. August 2012. So it's August 2012. August 2012. We'll go with that. Yeah, that's that's, a good that's start when I established day. the LLC was actually August 22nd, 2012. That's a great. So that's, that's the, start. the beginning. That's I'm a, I'm a business. The birth now. of Always Brewing Detroit. That's August 22nd, 2012. So that's my start date. And then we opened our doors for our permanent status, uh, July. What was it? July 19th. It's my mom's birthday is the 17th. So I think it was the 18th or 19th of July in 2013. I can tell you because if you look up when Detroit filed for bankruptcy, it was like the day before. Okay. Literally, which I find always so funny. Like Detroit yeah. went bankrupt and you started a business. I started a business in a bankrupt city. <laughs> Crazy. I know. So no, so that you made was, it work. yeah. So it was July 2013. So it was almost a year almost from a year. Yeah. idea, starting to write a business plan to open permanently with debt. With that. And lots of work in the meantime. That and licensing. Licensing was a bitch. I mean, getting through the permitting process through the city of Detroit. There is no map to this day of like how to open a coffee shop in the city of Detroit. There it, isn't. It kind of amazes me. I hope that's something that they're diligently working they on. They are. I believe, you know, I believe Mayor Duggan is trying and I think that he was handed a damn mess and anything that he does that gets comes out of it positively is is awesome. But he is handed a mess, so I'm not surprised they haven't fixed everything. Well, it's kind yet. of a culture of corruption too. One person at the top coming in yeah. with thousands of people. Oh yeah. I mean I saw my final building inspector. He was one of the indicted building inspectors after yeah. I opened and I was like, wow. He seemed a little off, not surprised. <laughs> like yeah. I came at all my permitting people. I said this is this I say this to my build class. I say this openly at my counter. Oh, I'm saying it now. I came at every person I had to deal with in city politics. I was like, "Hi, I've never done this before. I have no money. What do you need me to do?" 
Like, I don't like, I'm not going to do the bribe game. No one ever asked me directly, but you know what I mean? I'm not going to, I kind of just put that out there. I'm not going to do the bribe game. I don't have money. I don't know what I'm doing. So what do you need and what do you want? I'll do that. But this is all I got. Like, I'm a, I got a, and P.S. I've got 15 minutes. I have to go wait tables again. So could you just tell me what you need? I'll fill out the form and let's go from there. You must have just lived in that building. Oh, yeah. People, yeah. people the were Coleman like, Young building. Well, yeah. Well, and, and my favorite's like, you'd go down and one day they'd tell you X, Y, and Z. And you yeah. go the next day and they're like, oh, we meant CDF. And you're like, well, CDF, that's not even an order. <laughs> you got to go to the fifth floor. No, you got to yeah. go to the third floor. No, you got to go to the one second floor. One time they door. sent me to the basement and I looked at the lady in the elevator and I was like, they told me to go to the basement. She's like, why would you go to the basement? I'm like, no, I, I think they were know. fucking with you. Oh, I'm sure they were. Yeah. I'm sure in some respect they were. And it's like, whatever. <laughs> so I just kept a copy of everything. You keep a copy of everything. You pay by check yes. so that you have a paper trail and you just keep trying. And that's how I got through it. I said, patience, persistence. Those were the only things I had on my back. So it was like, I'm just going to keep going. And I'd psych myself up to go downtown. I was like, okay, all right going today we're gonna smile we're gonna be friendly we're gonna figure this out and i was like smile, how I, I, like, like that's how i got through it because it was it was hard because nobody nobody's down there like saying yes please open a business in detroit which is stupid because we need so many we businesses do. we need you know frank my coffee roaster opened in ferndale he told me when he opened in ferndale the like ferndale business people or you know whatever he was to for licensing they like gave him a hug and thanked him for opening and i was like i want a freaking hug that would be nice i want detroit to give me a hug the next time i open a business like that's that's the goal for me it's like i want <laughs> i want city officials to hug me like, Duggan, if you're listening yes. are you, does, do you have yeah. a particular city employee in mind <laughs> no, Maybe I, don't know. I don't know anyone yeah, anyone the next business when I, yeah give amanda a hug yeah when you hand me my building permit i would like a hug that's yeah. what i want he probably only spent two hours in there too i have yeah. months of my life in that fucking building oh it's crazy yeah. it's crazy i try i try not to even yeah. go no but so when you opened in hard hard open yeah, right july. So it was july of 2013 yep. how much debt did you have and how much were you bleeding every month and you don't have oh, to get man. it perfect yeah just, i don't know even like i part of my brain is like dark i don't want to know yeah. um <laughs> i took out twenty thousand dollars keep the math fuzzy so you could sleep at night yeah yeah i mean i i <sighs> I can tell you this, the first year, and this is, I've, this is the scary stat. The first year when I did my taxes, cause we were only open July through December, and I took out $20,000 in loans and did a lot of, a lot of money up front. Uh, when I did my taxes, I was operating at 125% loss. Yeah. <laughs> that I remember, was with customers. I yeah. remember seeing it and being like, oh my God, this is never going to work. Like, this, <laughs> oh my God, what did I just do? You know, but, but it got a I lot better. I made my money die. Yeah. I, I have nothing and I have less. How is this possible? But, but after that, like after the initial startup costs, which are huge, you, you start to increase and people start to find you and you start to have regulars and things improve. And honestly, we've had like 5% growth every month over month since we opened. And like, that's huge. Like that's not normal. That's not, you should, it should level off like three to 5% is normal for a food establishment, but like 5% consistently every month and like, I wouldn't say it's every month. It's like an average, but like, that's, that's good. Like that's really, especially in Detroit with very limited foot traffic. Like that's like, I know I'm doing yeah, something nobody right. Nobody walks here hardly. Yeah. We drive. At least not the ones who we have drive money. everywhere. Yeah. The it's money Detroit. to buy coffee. <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, we, it's, that's the stat that I always hold on to. Like, no, it's slow climb, but it's a climb. It's up. That's good. Yeah. 5% growth month after month. That's, um, that's pretty good. And you weren't, did, yeah. were you advertising anywhere? How'd you get that growth? How'd you, how'd you bring oh. all your customers in the door? Cause that's the part I really I mean, like. Yeah. For us, like 
it was lots of word of mouth. Um, the big question in Detroit, especially because it's Detroit, is where are your customers coming from? Are they your friends? Are they from the suburbs? They're trying to be cool and come to Detroit. No, my customers, I always say 90%, which is probably a little high, but like, 70 to 90 percent of my customers are people in the neighborhood they're people who live here they have kids here they lived here a long time they just moved here all of that and i think you know the rest of the the rest of the small percentage 20 30 percent whatever is people who work around here or they like are just passing through and they saw us because i for some reason i get Maybe it's because it's always a brewing that starts with an A. I don't know. But I'm on a lot of coffee shop lists for Detroit near the top. So I'll get people, they're like, yeah, I just Googled coffee. And this, you came up. And so I've had like people, some kids from Texas came through once. And like this lady who was from New Mexico was driving past. Like I get a lot of that. And it's like, like enough that I remember it. And I'm like, that's a lot of random. So really just like the internet. We have 2,500 Facebook friends, which is pretty decent since I work 80 hours a week, so I don't like actively really push any of it. I just do it when I have a down minute. And the first year, I did a lot. I'd say the first year... That's what I was getting at. Yeah, so what would you year, do? How did you build your customer base? I took lots of pictures of everything. Because when you're in your coffee shop by yourself, <laughs> because that would happen a lot the first year, I would just like stage photos and take pictures of them. To the point now where like I take pictures and people are like, you're really good at taking pictures. I'm like, I've taken 3,000 pictures of this coffee shop 3000 <laughs> I know all the good angles I know all the good angles I know what the good lighting is I know how to make a coffee look really awesome you know I seriously so taking lots of pictures and because pictures we don't read we don't that's I love why pictures. Instagram pictures is sell. so hell yeah they yeah, do Snapchat Instagram pictures so I would take pictures of things and put them on the internet and I in fact the flyers that we have for the shop are just pictures I took that we used just for the flyers cuz my my uh, graphics people were like, oh, we could get a photographer. And I was like, well, how about this shot of an espresso? And they're like, that's amazing. Who took that? Me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's, you know, I took lots of pictures and just pushed it out on social media. There's also, because Rosedale Park is such a tight-knit community, there's like a e-blast that goes to 500 people. There's a North Rosedale Park e-blast. There's newsletters. And so I put ads and information in all of those. And that was how we really got the neighborhood at first, like that core group of people. And then they came and then they brought their neighbors and then they brought their mom when she was in from out of town. And like that was our bread and butter for especially the first year. And it still is. Don't, don't think it's wrong. I have, um, hardcore, like die hard, die hard customers and they come in all the time like do you need anything like do you want me to get you anything do you need anything at all and i said just keep buying coffee yeah just keep buying coffee bring a friend We're terrified we'll go back to yeah, before just, where there was just no coffee keep, shop here keep coming you know and i'm like that's the secret like if you know a small business and you want to support them go buy something from them that's that's what they need well really. one thing i noticed you were doing too was any event yeah like somehow you like tapped into everybody's event it was poets space funny like it all across the board too from ultra urban ultra black to dry i'd be all the way out to birmingham kind of wider than sour cream like all across the board electronic music (laughs) angry uh open mic night craft night like it seemed to me like you're like you want to have an event here you can do it i don't care yeah Um, come do an event the, there's a bookstore down the street from us which she was a pop-up in our space and now she's my neighbor so i was like yeah Come be my neighbor. Come hang out in the coffee shop for a couple months and sell books. See if you like it here. She did. She opened a bookstore down the street. That's awesome. She said to me when she first met me, she's like, I don't get it, Amanda. You just say yes to everything. And I was like, yep, sure do. And that's how I got so many. And that's Susan at Pages, right? Yep. Pages Bookshop 
Paige's bookshop. Is yeah. that do we? I'll put it in the show notes, folks. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. Just right a couple blocks up. She's a pretty cool lady. So. Yeah, she's great because she she was when I met Sue, she was trying to open a bookstore on Livernoy in the University District of Detroit, which is a different neighborhood. And she was really like her her place was called Pages on Livernoy, and she was sold. She was like, I'm gonna do Livernoy. I'm gonna do. And I I was never sold on Livernoy. I like Livernoy Avenue of Fashion. It has a very big history of providing fashions and clothes for lots of Motown. It's a great area, but. It doesn't have a lot of parking on it. And for me, I wanted my business plan. Those events and things are not a mistake. In my business plan, I was like, I'm going to have events. I'm going to get people in the door. Because for me, that's what coffee shops always were. Coffee shops are the place you go to meet up, meet people. When I was in college, I have like a good group of 10 friends from different parts of my life, all from college, though, that are that I met in coffee shops in in at MSU. I went to Michigan State, so at MSU. And so I, like, I was in one of their weddings a couple years ago. I mean, like, literally, like, diehard good friends that are all from hanging out in coffee shops. And so for me, coffee shops are, like, this epicenter, this, like, community base where things happen. And so to to do that, though, then you have to appeal to the whole community. So I just said yes to anyone. If I don't know you, but you sound like you're doing something positive, sure, do it here. Sounds great. And people at first were, you know, like, Susan, like, you just say yes to everything. And I'm like, I'm going to do it until it, until it you know, until it hurts. Until it doesn't work. Until right? it doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, I I remember one night I had, I had like you know this breast cancer awareness group and this this kindergarten moms homeschooling group and the Girl Scouts selling cookies all at the same time and it was mass chaos. But everybody like started talking to each other and the moms of the kindergartners were buying the cookies from the Girl Scouts and they were talking about getting their their little girls into daisies and then the breast cancer ladies were like, yeah, who we have access to free mammograms. Want one? Sure, sounds great. Like all of a sudden, all these people are just like giving each other services and selling each other goods in and my space coffee. and buying coffee yeah and so that for me like duh like why wouldn't i say yes to that and that's what it's all about i want this community energy people working together people getting things from each other sharing ideas that's you know the original tagline i've always been before i had like help from actual marketing people was coffee ideas and happenings those were what because people were like well what do you want in your shop i was happenings. like coffee like ideas it. happenings things happening ideas hence they always brewing Yes, my name's Amanda Brewington. I love it. It played off of that. But I kept trying to rack my brain around, like, what do I want in the shop? I want there to always be something going on. And I kept saying that. Always something going on. And people were like, okay, well, always should probably be in your title, Amanda. And then I was like, well, and there needs to be coffee. But coffee's too obvious. I want something playing off coffee. What would play off coffee? What would... And everyone's like, you know what your last name is? <laughs> Amanda Brewington. Oh, yeah. So then it was like always brewing. And then always brewing was already like, it's not that uncommon of a pairing so then i added detroit because then it was a location so it's always brewing detroit that's how it got named and that's that's what the shop's about always i said my memoir is going to be called always something because that's what it is always something oh crap we need this that's a great always idea this. yeah I love so it. that you know wait 10 years that'll be my memoir. <laughs> wait 10 years <laughs> i think i will yeah. <laughs> if i make it that long you i will. should <laughs> Yeah, you kind of just embedded yourself in the community and a unique ability somehow to get along with lots of strange people. I've been too. like that my whole life. That's a personality thing. Yeah. That's a, like, you can't teach that. I, when I was in high school, no, when I was in sixth grade is when I, the first time I ever did something like that. I was in sixth grade and I said to my mom, I said, mom, my mom, my ideas, they go way back to sixth grade. <laughs> hey mom, I want to have like a party and I want to invite everybody. And she's like, what do you mean? I said, well, 
we're in sixth grade, we're graduating, moving on to middle school, and I just like really want everybody to kind of get together and like have like a picnic in our backyard. And my parents, I was very fortunate. My mom's house is a three bedroom ranch, small three bedroom ranch, but has like three fourths of an acre behind it, so all this open land. So I'd always we'd garden there, we'd have you know family picnics and stuff. So I was like, I want to have one for just like the sixth grade. I want to invite the sixth grade both classes over to my house and have a party. And I was like, okay, we'll make we'll roast hot dogs, we'll put up a volleyball net. That's what we'll do. I did that in sixth grade and I, I just printed a flyer. It wasn't an invite, it was just a flyer. Amanda Brewington's house, come out, have a hot dog, play volleyball, listen to music, hang out, sixth grade graduation party. Sweet. Then seventh grade comes, end of the year. I was like, well, are you having a party again? Oh. I was like, hey, mom, can I have a party? <laughs> sure. But then it's the seventh grade. We had five elementary schools in our district. So all of a sudden, a like 60 person gathering became like 120, 160 kids in my Damn. backyard. And, and then, seventh grade some of the eighth graders came you know cuter eighth grade boys people started showing up my mom's like what then it starts raining so my mom then lets all of these kids into her basement where her stereo from the 70s is. so we're playing like cool jams on these big speakers and everyone's like man amanda's the best parties and so like this was like this is just a preview right so i was always like just say yes invite everybody like this is a this is a That's part a good of business my life. plan this is yes my invite everybody spend money right so it started out as a sixth grade party that went to a middle school, high school. I had a party every year until I graduated high school and then I had a big graduation party. And every year I would look forward to my parties. And it wasn't like shady stuff was going on. It wasn't like parties. Like there weren't strippers. There wasn't drugs. It was just like kids hanging out and eating and, and like, um, I had a friend who was kind of a nerd and I went out to lunch with his mom years later and she was like, you know, he always loved those parties because he didn't get invited to parties a lot. And like that made such a difference for him. He was like, well, I'll get to go to Amanda's party and everybody will be there. And like that's that's what I want the coffee shop to be. The coffee shop is just the adult version of me just having a party and inviting everyone always. That's it. Like Better coffee too. Yeah. 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 Coffee's come a long way in the last 20 years. Thank for sure. God. For sure. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. yeah. No more of that Denny's swill Mm-mm. or that just put it in a pot and cook it all day. Just My- get it good and bitter and just tear. Oh, you know that I'm talking about that urn, that, that church coffee. Oh, yeah. My Curls pre- your lip when you drink it. You're just like, I, I grew up in a Maxwell House family. Oh. It was a joke that my parents oh. had a boy. They were going to name him Maxwell. And that would be Maxwell Brewing. To, so bad. To be like a playoff of that. Even Folgers <laughs> Thank is God better I than just Maxwell. have a sister. Thank God I just yeah. have a sister. <laughs> yeah. That poor kid would have been screwed. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Maxwell Brewington. His life's ruined. <laughs> so you kind of embedded yourself in the community and said yes to everybody and started yeah. coming. Mm-hmm. And then you had five. So really it's like 5% growth on growth month after month. Yeah. For the first, um, you know, I haven't figured out all of my growth. I always do it on a, a yearly basis. I don't sit and go every month. That's something that people always say, you should know your finances to the penny every day. I, I don't, I keep track of everything. I have copious amounts of notes. I have my, all my receipts saved, but I don't look at my books every day because you know why? Because I run a coffee shop all day, every day, yeah. and I work another job. And honestly, best advice I ever received, in my opinion, is from Frank, my coffee roaster. He said, 
you know what, for the first couple of years, just put your head down. Keep getting up every day and making coffee. And all of a sudden, one day, several years later, two, three years later is what he meant, you'll look up and you'll have a viable business. Yeah, I love Frank. That's good advice. Because I mean, and I'm not saying, and I want to be very clear, I don't mean just, just don't look at your books and just keep spending it. No, I'm very aware of where things are, but I don't sit and like go by the penny where I'm at, what percentage I'm growing every month. I do it at the end of the year. I keep track of all the money going in, all the money going out. I keep every receipt. I charge everything. I write checks for everything. I paper trail everything. Very organized in that sense, but I don't sit and micromanage it every day. Because if I did, it would drive me crazy. It would. I, every day I'd be like, oh, we didn't hit this number. Oh, man. Oh, crap. I don't, I, that's not who I, I'm not, that's not what I'm going for. As long as I have, I see the money going out, the money coming in is more than that. I'm paying the bills. Things are adding up. I'm in a good place. And, and I'll sit and figure out the exact numbers. As, you know, when I do, but it's like, I'm not going to do that every day. I'm not going to tell you, oh, yes, yes, last week we did this, whatever. No. Every month I look at That's it. That's really good advice. I really like Frank. I wish, see, I didn't have this <laughs> kind of good advice. I started, I want everything now. Right. Shocking. Patience is hard. Right. No, I yeah. Know, I get yeah. It. I'm impatient too. Yeah. Not like that. But you're also like the definition of extroverted too. <laughs> I am. <laughs> You'll talk to anybody all day, every day. Come on in. My you're dad, my very dad, outgoing. <laughs> my dad said, you're like Miss Congeniality, the coffee shop owner. And I said, I don't know what that means, but thank you. But give me your money. <laughs> yeah. I, He's like, no, because I do. I just talk to everybody. It's like a bartender situation. I talk to everyone. People sit at the counter. At this very counter, I have heard about, you know, people having babies, people dying, people having divorces, good things, bad things. I've heard it all at this counter. People have sat at this counter and like told me their life story. And I've literally had a couple people look up and be like, why did I just tell you that? And I'm like, I don't know because it's, it's like just, a bar but coffee that, it is yeah it is so yeah. and it's more dangerous now we're more awake we're talking more it's, yeah. it's probably worse but you spend less money yeah, here it yeah, is, yes. than a bar <laughs> and you could drive home without having to use a breathalyzer or something true. like yes. that yeah. no i think it's just you did a lot to make it a welcoming environment i think so thank you no that's what i'm going for i always say people are like this is like cozy and i'm like that's that's what we're going for that's we want cozy we want the living room analogy we'll we'll take that we want people to feel welcome and comfortable stay a while so your so. first full year open, mm-hmm. how did you, cause you're, you were working mm-hmm. nights, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. At, um, at Joe Muir's, at Joe the seafood Mears. place. It's a high end seafood place downtown. Yep. So Monday through Saturday or Monday through Friday, you're working in the coffee shop during the day. Mm-hmm. And then at night you're going and working how many hours? Night. Not, Not every, every night. night. I was working, I was at the coffee shop. Let's see. First year. I was in the coffee shop Monday. A little closer to the mic. Yeah. I was doing Monday through Friday, Monday through Friday coffee shop. They weren't open at all on the weekends. And people were like, you're missing an opportunity. You need, I said, you know what? And that's something. you got to turn off that. Like people telling you what to do. Unless they're a business advisor or your mentor. If they're a stranger who just likes coffee and thinks they know what you should be doing, you just need to say. And you, I mean, you don't have to be rude. I don't always say this unless there's someone who gets my humor. But I would just be, oh, is that what you do at your coffee shop? I love that. Oh, you Thank don't you. have one. Yeah. Okay, shut up. That's really good advice. <laughs> because because it will drive you crazy if you listen to everybody. And they and honest to God, most of them mean the best. They're really they are trying to help you succeed. But like, if they don't know, if they're just saying it because they think that's the yeah. thing. Fuck it. Like they knew they'd be doing it. Exactly. Or, or like, you know, consider it, but you know best you're living and breathing it every day. You, you are. And so people are like, you're missing an opportunity. You need to be open the weekend. And I said, yes, you're right. But you know what? Right now, solid money is coming in when I wait tables and I need that money to pay the loans on that business you love so much. So I'm open Monday through Friday. And as soon as I told people that they got it, they were like, Oh, and then they didn't pester me about it. They're like, Oh, you work another job. 
Okay, like then they got it. So yeah, buy more coffee so I don't have to. Exactly. So I work. That's probably what I would have said. Which right. Is why I don't own a coffee shop. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Shut up, Jeremy. Yeah. So I so I worked Wednesday nights, um, Saturdays and Sundays, and then I ran the shop Monday through Friday. So my big joke was I work eight days a week. I work at eight. I work eight different shifts and seven days. How does that work? Oh, because I work double on Wednesdays. But that was that was what I did for the first year, and we've also did not open until ten a.m. On that first year, for the first eight months. And people were, again were like, you're missing your opportunity. But I knew because I had done the pop-up that nobody came in between 7 a.m. and 10 a.m. when we first started out. No one did because they just weren't aware of us. We don't have like a drive through window. We don't have – we're on the wrong side of the street that's going towards the freeway. We did not get that morning traffic at first. Now we're getting it. Now we open at 8 and honestly we're Well, you probably, built it, right? But yeah, it yeah. was a slow climb. So I said, you know what? It. We're just gonna, the busiest time was from ten to three, so I was open ten to six, and then I slowly added to eight after I could sustain it. And people got all excited when I started opening at eight. They're like, "Oh, did you quit your wages job?" I said, "No, I'm just insane." And I was tired of hearing everyone tell me open at eight, so I'm opening at eight. Prove me right, and people did. And slowly they came and they did that. And the first couple months, I was just like doing other things from eight to ten. We were open, but like nobody was here. But I was just doing it because I was like, okay. This is the slow climb again, habitual. People had to learn I was open at eight. They started coming. Now I'm busy from like eight to one. We're busy. That's our busiest time. Um, but yeah, I mean, you have to do what you can sustain. Me, I couldn't sustain opening early and being open on weekends at first. I kept telling people, I'm going to grow into it. Be patient with me. Buy more coffee. Yeah. This will happen. Send and they, your friends. And they got it. And they, and they were, they understood it. And, and it was the right thing for me to do at the time. That's so it. that first year, you were that was pretty rough then because you were working just a ton. Yeah, and I'm sure there were problems too. Not everything worked smoothly in the shop. No, right? I Shit mean, breaks. You're learning how to do it. You'd probably do yeah. things a little differently if you had to do them over again, right? Uh, yeah, and for me, it was like you know because I'd never opened a business before. Like I didn't have, and I'm in Detroit, so there aren't like distribution channels set up. Like the thing that killed me was getting milk delivered. That was the thing. Yeah, it's a crazy thing about I couldn't Detroit. get milk delivered yeah. unless I got like country fresh or like some like generic milk. But I wanted like local Michigan, like good milk. And so I always tell this story and I say I am Calder's worst, um, worst supporter. So <laughs> I hope they listen to this. I sometime. hope they do. I hope yep. Bill Calder's calls me one day after he hears me tell this story because I've told it enough times that it should get back to him eventually. But. I called up Calder's because they're in Allen Park and they do their milk in glass bottles. So like there's this old timey feel. You're not having this waste. It is great milk. It's great milk. That's what I wanted. I wanted glass containers. I wanted Calder's. I wanted Allen Park, Michigan. Yes. So I called Calder's and I said, hey, I have a coffee shop. It's in Northwest Detroit. Can you deliver me some milk? And they were like, ooh. Not downtown or midtown in a neighborhood in Detroit. Ooh, we don't really do that. We just deliver in midtown and downtown. And I said, okay, well, I live downtown. At the time, I still live downtown. Yeah. Can you deliver it to my apartment and I'll just drive it over myself? And they said, well, we don't do residential delivery. And I said, stay with me here. It'd be for my business that you won't deliver to. Can you just bring it to my house and I'll take it to my business? (laughs) And they were like, nope, can't do that. And I said, okay, what do you need? To, what do I need to do? Again, like how I treated everyone. What do you need from me to make this happen? And they said, well, we need other people to buy milk near you. And then we could add it to the delivery route if we had a couple of accounts in that area. And I said, okay, 
Fair enough. So I went down to Metro Foodland, which at the time was owned by James Hooks and his wife, Mrs. Hooks. I don't remember her first name, but she was always Mrs. Hooks and James, whatever. So the Hooks owned Metro Foodland. Damn, you really wanted this Calder milk. I did. I was, I'm like, and that's the thing about me. I'm like, if I want it, damn it, and we're going to figure out a way <laughs> until I can't. Like yeah. that, we're going to just keep on going. Can so I, do, will do. Yeah. So I go down to, to Metro Foodland, which at the time I think was the only, it's like only or one of like two African American owned grocery stores in the city of Detroit. And it, maybe in the state of Michigan. I mean, it's like a big thing. Like it was, I, it was great. You used to call there and they put you on hold and they had like a jingle and it was like, this is the African American owned grocery store in Detroit. Like it was this horrible jingle. I'm doing not that bad of an impersonation of it and, <laughs> and whatever. <laughs> so it sounded like that. It sounded like that. Yeah. It was very like, da, 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 da. and you're like, okay, sure. Um, so <laughs> I'm on hold. Do you have meat? Whatever you called for. Anyway, so. So you're doing Calder's job trying to expand there. So I go down there and I, I talk to James who I had been on like a couple like neighborhood, uh, they, like I, I think we were on a, like a chili competition judging panel. They had him and me and like Councilman Tate judge some soup. Judge some chili. <laughs> so like I'd sat next to him before and I'm like, hey, remember me, coffee shop girl? And he's like, oh yeah, hey, how's it going? And I was like, hey, so would you carry Calder's milk so that they could deliver to me? <laughs> and he's like, he looks at his wife. She's behind the counter. She's like, no nonsense. She's awesome. She's like, I don't know about that. You know, and he's like, well, hey, how about we carry like pints of it or like little, like little ones, like little individuals? Cause they sell a lot of like individual, like walk up business, not like a ton of like gallons of milk, but like pints and quarts and whatever. And so he says, yeah, we'll, we'll give it a try. Have them contact me and we'll carry something, you know, and help your cause. Like we'll do it. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. So I get down, go back to the coffee shop and I call Calders and I'm like, hey, guess what? I got me, I got a grocery store, and we're all going to buy milk for you. I'm doing it because I know you're required. On a platter, here you, you are, go. accounts. Man, this story does not happen to Two weeks ending. later, it was like Halloween, and I hadn't heard back from them. And they told me, oh, we'll call you back in like a week. That's great. Thank you so much. Two weeks later, it had passed, and I hadn't heard from them. And I was not going to call them again. I was so like livid. I'd gone down and like found an account for them that was a grocery store, so it was like legit. Me... I'm right off the highway too. If you're not familiar with our location, we're like right off Grand River and Finkel. It's like one, it's get off the exit. You drive like a mile or two and you're at my shop. It's not yeah. like I was off there. No, like a mile. It was not. Yeah. yeah. It was, no. we're the, we're right after the first light from it the highway. It's all safe the entire way. It's, it's all good. It's well lit. It's, there's not any abandoned buildings. Like there's businesses and all Major the storefronts. Roads. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a good area. It's not hard. They could have, it would take them 10 minutes to drive off the highway, drop off milk, turn around and take my money or whatever. Actually, not just your money. Now the grocery food lands money, money yeah, too. I was like, you went and got them account. Uh, so they never called. So they back. never called me back. They never called me back. Two Fuckers. weeks passed. I hope you're listening, Mister Calder. Yeah. Fucker. Well, I told this story on a panel, and the guy came up to me, who is like the representative for Alan Park, like a state rep or something. He's like, "I know Bill. I'm going to tell him. I'm like, please do. I'm telling the story yeah. forever until I hear from him. So yeah, Bill. There you go. There um, you go I Bill. tried to give you money. And I tried to give you someone else's money and you still didn't take him. Whatever. So two weeks passed because I was like, well, I'll give him a week. And like it was Halloween. So I was like, well, I'll give him another week. Nothing. I'm like, I'm not calling them again. So I called Guernsey. Guernsey is a great milk company in Northville, Michigan. <laughs> and I called Guernsey and I said, I don't know if I told them the story. I did tell them the story eventually. I don't know if I told them up front, but I was like, look, I just want local milk delivered, whatever, please. <laughs> just whatever. And they, 
they were so cool. They, I called them on a Wednesday, Thursday, the next day, for those paying attention, this guy shows up, Phil, the, the sales guy, not only to talk to me about what I wanted to carry, but brought me free ice cream and milk and buttermilk and sour there cream and go. yogurt and all their products and was like, here, try these. These are all amazing. And I was like, dude, I don't even have to try this. I just want you to deliver me milk and it's Michigan and I already know Guernsey's good. I'm sold. I'm sold. And he's like, well, keep it anyway. Here, have some samples. So I like ate some ice cream and filled out an account with Phil and I was in. And it was great because then every friend of mine that's opened a food business in Detroit, I've told them that story and they all use Guernsey. Oh, they do. Like I know multiple bakeries, multiple diners that that, that specifically because of that story. Like this is like my worst nightmare. It is. I worry if I have a bad day (laughs) and I piss off the wrong person, it costs me a million dollars. The thing is, the thing is though, is it's like not, it's not, I'm not being like malicious about it in the sense that like I tell everyone, but I just, when people ask me about milk, it's like, let me it's tell a you good the story. story. And it's an amazing because story. Because it's true. It happened. Like I'm not doing it to be mean. Like it happened. And honestly, if Colters called me tomorrow and they'd be like, dude, we heard. We're so sorry. I would then tell that as the end of the story, but that still hasn't happened. And it's two years later and I'm still carrying Guernsey. And Guernsey was great because not only do they deliver, not only, you know, were they really responsive, they call me every Tuesday and get my order. So I don't even have to like pay attention. They just call. They're like, man, we're ready for your milk order. Sweet. They also had, like, I asked them flat eye. So do you guys want a minimum order? I'm a very small coffee shop, especially at the time starting out. I was like, I'm not going to be ordering that much milk. And you have to come out here. You have to drive out here. If you need to charge me delivery charge, please do. I understand that. And they said, no, we're never going to charge you delivery charge. They said, we like to have you have a minimum $100 order. But if you don't, that's okay. Damn. And so I said, well, I'll tell you what. I'll I'll order every other week until I get up to like $100 a week so that you guys aren't spending the fuel to bring it out to me and they were like you don't have to and I said no I want to and so I ordered milk every other week instead of every week from them for a while until I started having the numbers to order it every week because it was just like I they were doing me a favor at that point they didn't think so but they were that they were bringing I mean because I spent so many nights driving to Meyer at midnight and buying milk I think they're geniuses how many great. people have you got them accounts for I mean I, I know mean, five off the top of my head yeah, that I yeah, know carry yeah. their milk because of that you story. do the right thing so you know you come from a place of contribution. They're great. They're great. So I tell everyone Grinzy all day long. Grinzy, Grinzy. I love that story. Well, that's another thing you do. So you kind of embedded yourself in the community, events out, said yes to everything. Um, but you also, you want to get as many things as possible within 15 miles, 15 miles or less. I- explain that. What was the idea behind <laughs> that? And how did, well, how'd that come about and, and why? It was actually, it's funny. So I, you know, again, a lot of the business is, especially right now, as we talk about the most of this, a lot of things in my business are based on my personality, things I've been doing my whole life. I've always, I was raised by hippies. I, when I was in seventh grade, I made a petition against styrofoam in the lunchroom. I was like, <laughs> uh, styrofoam's the worst. It never dies. We're all horrible people who use styrofoam. I'm not doing it. I will bring my own plate until you stop carrying styrofoam kitchen. You know, I was like, <laughs> I was that kid. So. I, when I knew I was opening my own business, I said, you know what? I'm going to make it so that a lot of things in my shop are green. We use, I pay more for it too. I have compostable cups and lids and plates and forks. And then I, you know, once I had the money, I bought real plates and real forks so that we can wash them and not have as much waste. And it really just goes back to like, I don't want the fact that I have a business to like ruin the earth. That's just important to me. It's a personal thing. Food labs behind it with our triple bottom line thing. People plan it profit you know people planet profit all three and so i compost i recycle we actually did a trash audit to see how much trash the shop 
and it's like stupid how little trash we actually create like i was kind of felt like i let down the woman who did the trash audit because she's like well i guess you could compost more paper towel that's really the only thing that <laughs> you have a lot in your trash up. so you know but we really try to like do that do the green thing and so another part of being green is like not getting everything from forever away distribution carbon footprint gasoline like i don't want to be like yeah we have the best cookies but i get them air freighted in from somewhere and all this fuel <laughs> is used just so we have the best cookies they're from florida screw that yeah. no that's totally unnecessary there's an amazing things in detroit and i can showcase detroit and showcase great entrepreneurs who are now like my friends and the things they make so it's like all these good reasons right so 15 miles how did that come about 15 miles was because I was like, you know what? I source a lot of things locally. I wonder about how far everybody is. So I literally opened Google Maps, like Google on my computer, and I started putting it. I put the shop in, our address, and then I put where I got my cookies from. Okay, so always bring Detroit, 19180 Grand River Avenue, Detroit, Michigan. Put that there. Then I was like, okay, Love and Buttercream in Royal Oak. Okay, they're like 14.8 miles away from us. Oh, that's kind of, that's like the farthest one out. Let's see. Okay, we get some other stuff. Our baked oatmeal from Angela, her her place she makes it out of, her kitchen. Here's the address. Okay, that's uh that's about 13 miles. Oh, uh, let's see. Where do my sandwiches come from? Midtown. Oh, it's about 11 miles. Everybody was kind of just shy of 15 miles. So I was uh, like, marketing done. 15 miles or less. That's our sweet spot. That's what we're going to do. And it was a friend of mine who is a marketing guy who said, well, what, what is your shop about? He kept, and he's such a pusher. My, my friend Hubert. Hubert yeah, Sawyers. Hubert. We like Hubert. Yeah, Hubert Sawyers. He's, you should interview Hubert sometime. He's, he's great because he just has that mind. Like he's like, well, why, you know, he wants to know why things work a certain way. And so he's like, Amanda, what, what is it about your shop? Why, you know, yes, you have good coffee. Yes, you're fun to talk to, but like, what is it about your shop? What's the marketing of your shop? And I said, well, I, I want to get things really locally. And so he was like, well, how local? And so I was like, well, let's see how many miles everybody's from. And I think that that's where that conversation came from because I needed like – Thank you, Hubert. A, that's a great a, a piece. Great conversation, like, yeah. Because you can say local all day, but like – What yeah. does that mean? You're well, right. That, and we're also like inundated with that all day. It's local. It's local. Who cares? What does that even mean? I mean, is it local if it's, you know, what's local to you? Yeah. For me – it's like, well, my coffee beans, yes, they're from Ethiopia, Brazil, Nicaragua. They're not local, obviously. Coffee doesn't grow in Michigan. It doesn't. So it's locally <laughs> roasted. Where does the tea come from? Yes, some of it's from China. It's Chinese green tea. But it's put together. It's it's actually created in South Southwest Michigan where his kitchen is, where Eli is. Yeah. You know, so it was like, you know, I needed to figure out you know, what, what local was to me and what parameters I was going to try and live in. And that's where the 15 miles came from. And that's a great so, marketing piece too. Yeah. It's, and who doesn't No, Fuck the earth. I hate that you. Yeah. I mean, no, oh, that's not why do you do that? Yeah. And, and also it, it blows people's mind when I tell them like, Hey, no, the milk, the ice cream, the berries. Like I was getting like, when we were in the summer, we were doing different syrups. I was getting the different things for the syrups from a local farm in downtown. And they're like, Wow, you know, that can be locally sourced. That can be local sourced. It's like, yes, you know how many things you can actually get locally if you like try? You know how much we have here? Like Detroit, Mich Michigan as a whole, we get food here. Like we have food here, you know? So we can get it from here and sell it. And it's great. There's a lot of food being grown so. in Detroit. I'm growing some of it and lots of people are making a real go of it. Actually, like they have working farms, not hobby right. farms like mine. <laughs> right. And they're growing all sorts of stuff. That's awesome. So yeah, you got the 15 mile, you embedded yourself in the community. You said yes to everything. Yeah. You got all over the internet. You took pictures of everything mm -hmm. and you're still working at night. Year yes. two. How is yes. year two different from year one? 
Uh, year two is different from year one in the sense that I feel I want to. I'm trying to think when the exact moment was. I want to say it was. Maybe, you knew at some point you made it, right? About a year much. and a half, almost two years in. I'd say it was last fall, like last October. Yeah. I had this. I I say I came up for air. Like I literally <laughs> felt like I wasn't drowning anymore. Yes. And you know, I meet entrepreneurs all the time. I'm teaching my class. People come in here. I get a lot of people come in here. Okay, you have a coffee shop. How'd you do it? Tell me. I want to do something, and I don't know how to do it. Help me. And I pay it forward of course i'm like sit down at the counter buy coffee if you want to that would help but if you don't that's okay too let's let's talk and i just talk to people about what they want to do and i say like you're gonna you're gonna work really hard you're gonna lose money you're gonna you know you're gonna be exhausted if this sounds bad to you then you probably shouldn't open a brick and mortar like you shouldn't I, i'm sorry unless you have like a rich relative and you don't have to try really hard cool for you but that's not most people they'll probably lose money and go out of business exactly because you have to have a passion for it because you're gonna work so hard at it that you have to love it if you don't love it you're gonna just grow to resent it and be mad all the time and then people aren't gonna come to your place because they're gonna be like oh gosh there's that mad chick who's angry all the time <laughs> why you want my coffee from her nobody wants that with coffee. yeah no, no one wants that so that. so you really have to love it and you really have to want it and that's that's what keeps you going. And so those nights when you're on like three hours sleep and you haven't slept and you're waiting tables and then you're getting up and you're making coffee and then you're taking apart lobster. Oh, sorry, that's me. But you, know, yeah. you, you do all this and you have to love it because if you didn't, you would just say, fuck it, and you'd stop doing it. So for me, I just kept doing it, kept doing it. Like Frank said, keep my head down, just keep going, keep going, just keep going. And I about last fall, last October, I just all of a sudden like – Things started to come together. I was getting my milk delivered. My coffee was getting delivered. My tea gets delivered. Things started getting, I didn't have to leave the shop and go to the store every night, which is how it felt. It wasn't oh. real, but it was. Which mo- is hard to do when you're staying all day in a shop and working at a restaurant. Right? Exactly. And you're like on your feet and you're talking to people. So it's not like I'm just like serving coffee, like, here's your coffee. Boom. Set it on the counter. Next. Like, that's not the kind of coffee no. shop I run. I run the shop where it's like, hi, I'm Amanda. Yes. Who are you? Let's talk. Let's hang out. And I'm making you coffee and I'm talking to a small child and I'm picking up a baby. And like, these really, these, this really happens. And so you have to, you have to do all of that. You have to be okay with doing all that. And, and all of a sudden it will level off. And so about last fall, I would say is when I leveled off where things were, there was a system. It may not have been like the perfect system. It may not have been written out. <laughs> As you know, from hanging out with me, like yeah, things just started working. They just though, started right? working. It just started making sense. And there was a flow to things. And I joke about how like I have like this emotional tie of the coffee shop. Like, Oh, I feel like we're getting low on vanilla syrup. Like, <laughs> like, you know, I mean, that's nuts, but it's, it's still like that to some degree. But it started to be like, no, every month I need to order more vanilla syrup. It wasn't like I just had to get this feeling about it, you know. And business was more consistent, so things started to be more consistent. And that's that was when it felt. So I came up for air about October, and I was like, wow, I have time, like, to think about things that aren't like wake up and make coffee. And I I started reading books again, and I started like hanging out with friends again, and and not a lot. Don't think I was like, oh yeah, I was all comfortable, but like I started to feel like a human again instead of just a machine to a coffee shop. Like, and that that was the that for me that was like, wow, this is success because I can breathe and it's still happening. And the then last April, my birthday's in April. I turned thirty in April, and um, I took a week. And I left and I went to Toronto for three days and I went and just stayed at a friend's house and wrote because she has like a writer's retreat house. And I just stayed there and wrote and just like was out like 
in my own head, but out of the coffee shop for a whole week. And it was amazing. And I don't have the money to pay employees. I'm very candid about that. So I literally looked to my friends, Jeremy's wife included, and said, hey, can you help run the coffee shop so I can leave for a week so that I can have some mental break, mental clarity, and not kill anyone? Because it was getting that point. I was like so tired and burned out, and I hadn't had a vacation. And I was like, for my birthday, for my 30th, I want to just leave. And at first, I'm not going to lie, I was nervous. I was like, oh, shit, what if, like, the coffee ca- shop catches on fire? Oh, yeah. Or what if Gina turns the alarm off wrong and the police come? Or what if Aaliyah puts coffee grounds down the plumbing, which she did one time? And, and, you know, it was just whatever. And so it was like, I had this paranoia. But, like, by the second day, nothing had blown up. I was in Canada. I was in Toronto, four hours away. And I'd made a rule. I was, I didn't look at Facebook. I didn't look at the shop. I didn't let it happen, but I did get like a phone call. I, I don't think, I think it, I called Gina or like Bo called me or somebody called and I was like, it's been two days. Is the shop like it's open? It's, and they're like, yeah, it's fine. In fact, it's been really busy and people are really excited that you're not there because they hear that you're on vacation and they love that for you because my customers, they, they love me and they want me to not die. I remember that. And you're getting a little strung out. There. I was, I was yeah. just tired. Needed I needed a break yeah. and I knew it. I knew yeah. I needed it. And so for me, it was like, you know, the fall, I started to level off, but then in the spring, it was like, I could law, lo- I left for a week and it still happened without me. And this is where. I'm a weirdo from some entrepreneurs I know, but it was like, for me, that's, that's success. Freedom for me and success and, and everything is that I can leave and the shop can still exist. That's success because I, it's happened now. Like it's, it exists without me. I don't have to be the whole life force behind it. That's, that's success. And maybe that's because I'm like not a micromanager. I've worked for micromanagers most of my life and I want to be the opposite. And so for me, being able to just walk away and let it breathe without me, that's success. That's the only way it's going to work, too, because yeah. it's not like you can be here 24-7. No, you can't. You, just you can't. can't. Yeah, you got to do gas so, sleep. You got to shop. You mm-hmm. got to do other things. You might want to have a life eventually. Yeah. Go to the dentist. Some, you know. You know, yeah. something. You're yeah. going to have to do all that, right, at some exactly. point in time. Right. Get your car fixed, your oil. Yeah. Did you, because this is something I noticed. Um, people, I did it. I know lots of people do it. I grossly underestimated the amount of effort and time required to get a business off the ground. Did yes. you do that or did um, you have a good idea up front? Cause I, I had no clue. I would say I'm somewhere between no clue and totally knowing I'm somewhere between that. Like I had worked for small businesses. I still do. I mean, Joe Mears, as much as it's a giant restaurant is owned by a family that runs it. Um, the audio production house I worked for was two guys who were friends in their twenties who opened it and it was a private, you know, 10 person company. I worked for, um, the Harrison Roadhouse is like, you know, burger house in college that was like three, four, no, I think it's five people like owned it together, but it was always privately owned mom and pop ask places. I always had worked for those kinds of places. I think I had one corporate job in high school. And so for me, I knew I'd, I've seen small business like up close and personal for so long that I knew it was going to be exhausting and trying on me, my friends, my family, my life. I knew that. I knew it. I knew what I was signing up for in that regard. And so it wasn't shocking when I was exhausted and everything. And my, and my family members and friends, some of them were very insulted by the amount of time I gave to the business over them. But I was like, hey, you know what? This is what it is. And I'm, that's what I'm going to do. And yeah, if you're not it into up. it, yeah. then that's, this, is who I've, I mean, this is who I've been. So if you don't like it, too bad. Like, this is it. And so that... You know, I knew, I would say some people in my life didn't know, but they adjusted. And 
and I, it still was more than I thought it would be, but I knew that it was going to be more than I thought because I'd never done it before. So I came into it with the mind of like, okay, I know this is going to be a ton of work, probably more than I realized. Here goes. And that's kind of how I treated it. You yeah. Know? You almost have to be a maniac about it. And, oh, and for sure. Like, like you, you got to be the kind of person who will go down to a grocery store and try and open up another account <laughs> for another milk yeah. to try and get milk delivered. I, I mean, yeah, it's just people. I, for a while, when I lived downtown, I had a friend who delivered cookies for the shop to my apartment. I would just walk down in my pajamas, take the elevator down, and like take a box of cookies from someone. I'm sure everyone in my building thought was drugs. But I was like, no, it's really cookies, I promise. You know, I mean, like that, that's the kind of things I did. I get my drugs delivered in boxes. Yeah, in a fancy pastry box. Like, no, but it, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what we did. And so, you just, you know, for me, it's like, well, how, like I said, my favorite part about life in all aspects is like, okay, I want X to exist. I don't know how I'm going to figure it out. And so that's what opening a business is. That's the part of life I enjoy. So I knew that I would enjoy it. I'd worked so closely with other people's small businesses and done so much work for them. I was like, well, shit, if I can do it for them, I can do it for myself. So here goes nothing. And that's where we're at. So anything that you would do differently if you could do it. I know I don't like this. <sighs> Yeah. I don't like to ask the advice thing, but somebody listening might be Yeah. If you would if you you did something like, Man, I shouldn't have done that, or you would have done it differently, what would you have done differently? I don't know if I'm far enough away from it yet to know exactly those answers, but I would say this. I would say that, you know, I was really hard on myself, especially the first year. I'm still hard on myself. I mean, who am I kidding? But I was really hard on myself the first year. Like every time we had a slow day, like I would take it very personally. I was very like, Oh my God, like people don't like me. I did something wrong. I don't have something right. That's why no one's ever going to come here. This isn't going to work. And like, I would just like literally in my own head, just beat the crap out of myself every time we were slow. And, and that's not helpful. It wasn't, it wasn't. And it was, but it, (laughs) But, but that's how, like, I'm wired as an overachiever. Like, I was the kid in third grade who All got, your money was on the line, though, too, right? I got all A's and a C, and I was pissed because I got the Signed C. for a bunch of money, bunch of zeros, you yeah, know, I was, writing checks for well, money and you're not I, making. And, and, you know, and it's like, you see these people in these, like, cool Detroit blogs, like, who are not working that hard and having su- successful businesses. At least that's how it appears. I mean, they probably work really hard. But you know oh, what yeah. I'm saying. Like, they look glamorous. Yeah, there's you're like, well, screw them. You know, I, I haven't slept in days, you know, and you're like, they're, you know, so there's that aspect of it because we have so many entrepreneurs in the city. Like you start to be like, Oh, why, why is it working for them and not me? And what did I do? And so like, it took me a while and it was just time and rest that made me realize it. It was like, you know what? I'm doing all I can do. I'm doing the best I can do because this is all I can do. And as long as every day I'm getting up and I'm putting all of myself into it that I can, I mean, of course, like I can't put all of myself cause I would die. Like I need to sleep. I need to eat. I need to breathe. Um, as long as I'm doing it the most that I can sustain on like, then that's all I can do. And I, if the business fails, I'm not going to beat myself up because I know that I damn well tried and this is, this is it, you know? And so my advice to entrepreneurs is always like, Hey, you know what? As long as you give it your all, all that you feel comfortable giving and all that you, and maybe a pinch more, push yourself a little bit more, then, then that's all you can do. And if it fails, it doesn't mean that it's something that you did directly or like you could have, I mean, like if a Starbucks opened across the street from me a week after I opened, I'd be fucked. And yeah, like you'd be, that, <laughs> it would have been and, the end. And that would have been it. Yep. And that wouldn't have been my fault. Nope. You know? And so, Timing has a lot to do with it. The way of the world, things happening. I mean, there's things that are always going to be out of your control and you can't let that get you down. You have to just keep going. And so like, you know, I was really hard on myself. I was really, you know, I definitely, 
you know, I wouldn't say I regret it because it got me where I am, but there are definitely like, you know, friends, weddings and things I missed that first year. Cause I was just like, Nope, gotta go to the coffee shop. Can't do anything. I can't afford to fly out to California to a wedding. Sorry. You know, I mean, there were just like things like that, that I think now in hindsight, like if I had gone to their wedding or like taken out a small loan or borrowed some money to, to go to their wedding, like that would have been fine. No yeah, one would have died, okay. you know, but I was like, really like, no, if I do anything, it's going to ruin everything. You know and it was? I was really hard on myself and that, I honestly, it's good because it pushed me to keep going, keep, you know, so I'm not going to ever say anything that was a regret, but if you are a new business owner and you're listening to this and you're like sitting there beating yourself up about something, like it's okay. Yeah. You're probably fine. Especially if you're putting your best <laughs> in every, that's great advice too. I don't know. And if you're an entrepreneur and you don't like work, I don't think you're going to make it anyway, right? Because no. it just takes an enormous amount of work. I mean, uh, like, I'm really fortunate that now in Detroit, I have this network of friends who are also entrepreneurs. And I didn't really realize it till I was like, <laughs> I was on like a date. And I was like talking about my friends to this person. And I was like, yeah, well, my friend Ebony who has a clothing store. And then I was hanging out the other day with my friend Esto. He makes quesadillas and he works out of this guy's bar. And, and I just like was talking about my friends and all of them are entrepreneurs. And it's like, that's not an accident. It's though, not, really. it's no. not, but that's what happens because they're the only kind of people that can really understand you're crazy. Like really understand it. Like Ebony down the street. So Ebony has a place. It's called, um, Trish's garage and Trish. Her name's Ebony. Why is it called Trish's? Because Trish is the word t-shirt reorganized into a woman's name because it's t-shirts for women. So Trish's garage. So she's a pop-up. She's a six month pop-up down the street from me. She's trying it out in a 300 square foot space to see if there's a market for her to buy a building and locate over here or rent a building, whatever it is around this area. So she's there through the end of the year. So she's been here for a while, you know, since what's that July, June here, you know, in the neighborhood, she comes down for a bagel and I love it. Mondays she's closed. People are like, Oh, she's closed. She gets a day off. <laughs> no, 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 no. Monday she does inventory and has meetings for her business. And then the rest of the time she's at her business or she's bartending. So she comes in Mondays and I love Ebony, but she looks tired. And I say to her, I'm like, Ebony, you look tired. Did you bartend? She's like, just till 3 a.m. Just. And that's, that's entrepreneurs though. That's if you work a second job or a third job. And I mean, like people ask me, well, you have the coffee shop. You still work another job. I said, well, I wait tables twice a week and to teach an entrepreneurship class. And well, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, like that, that's how entrepreneurs are. We don't have one job. We have multiple jobs and we don't even think about it. Like I don't even think I have three jobs until someone asks me and I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I do. That's life. Whatever. You also kind of plugged into this resurgence of, I don't know, I, I noticed it about three, four years ago where all of a sudden multiple organizations took a keen interest in Detroit and kind of like Food Lab and the Build Institute and yeah. all the ones I'm going to forget to mention and I apologize, <laughs> right? There's, there's tons there's of so them. Many. There's, there's so many. There's so many now, right? Mm-hmm. That, um, that, I imagine that helped a lot, right? Like Food Lab, especially because you're doing food, right? How how did you kind of navigate that space? Um, again, it goes back to like the internet and researching. Like I, you know, I met Ben. Back to that story with Detroit Institute of Bagels. I met Ben from Detroit Institute of Bagels. He told me about Food Lab. I went to Food Lab. They were having like a boot camp class to teach you about um, business plan writing and planning, and they were already into the class, so I couldn't take it because I they'd already started. So I went to their graduation, even though I wasn't really involved with it. But Ben had invited me, so I ended up just like sitting down and listening to other people pitch their businesses to this room of random people, me being one of them. And I made like three friends that night who I still am friends with. One of them is somebody I get my sandwiches from. 
no one was there who I get my sandwiches from Fresh Corner Cafe. Um, Tanya, who does sweet potato waffles, who's popped up in my shop a couple times and sold sweet potato waffles. She was one of the graduates that night. But I just started like meeting people who were also kind of in that moment where they were starting a business. They kind of knew what they were doing. They, everybody else thought they were nuts. And we became friends because you commiserate over crazy. You're like, yep, I'm tired too. Let's talk. Like Ebony and I talking about she bartends. I work late on Sundays too. And we sit and talk about that. So. I tapped into it because I just started going to events. Now, granted, there were definitely some events I went to and people there were like lame and not really into it. Yeah, that happens. That happens. Yeah. So you made network a huge part of how you figured that out. I had that Thursday and Friday off from Joe Mears. Those two consecutive days I asked for from the waitressing job, that was on purpose. I wanted two days. Once, so I always knew I had those two days. So if there was an event on a Thursday or a Friday, I could attend it. I also then know I had two days. So if I met somebody on like a Thursday who wanted to meet for coffee to talk about their business stuff, I could say- Friday. We could do it on Friday yeah. or next Thursday or Friday. I always have those two days off. So that was an important piece of it. Like having set time that you always work on your business because then you know you have that. And that's you know, great advice. So you yeah. two days a week, you're like, I'm working on my business no matter what. Yeah. Thursday, Friday, and you made it happen. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and of course, like you have a slow week or you need to go to your niece's birthday party. That happened. Yeah. Life Whatever. happens. But but you wanna have, you know, those days are pr- the primary focus is doing business. So that's what I did. And I went to, I mean, I had lost count. I used to go to like Tech Town would have, so Tech Town, I ended up working with them because they had a ask a lawyer a question night on a Thursday from six to eight. It was free or it was like 10 bucks, something not, you know, nominal. You could go and just like this lawyer talked to us. I didn't really learn anything from the lawyer, but I was sitting next to this lady and I was like, Hey, what do you do? And she's like, well, I invented this thing. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> she's like, that's interesting when you yeah, start a conversation. I invented, I invented this is something. good or bad. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And she's like, it's called chariot. And I was like, what? And she says, it's called chariot. And it's this little cart for your chair so when you go to a tailgate and you have your fold-up chair and you don't want to carry it you put it in this little carrier that she invented and you roll it behind you interesting yeah well apparently interesting enough that she not only created it had plans drawn up and then had it manufactured and sold it and i was like damn how did you do this you're like some lady sitting next to me in in detroit on thursday night who are you how'd this happen she says well i had the idea because my husband and i always go tailgating and we hate carrying our chairs and he has a back injury so i wanted to have a little cart for it and i came up with a cute name called chariot so that's what we're doing and i'm like sweet well how did you go from an idea to making that happen and she's like well I started coming to Tech Town and they have this program. They don't have it anymore, disclaimer, but at the time they have this program called Thrive One. It's a Thrive One program and you just, the Thrive, I think was the actual name, Thrive. And you apply for it and they give you three months of mentorship and business counseling and they help you make those, connect the dots. So she had an idea. She needed to figure out how to get it manufactured and have it exist in the world, whatever. So that's what she did. So I was like, well, I want to know about this Thrive program. So sure enough, they give me the details. I had to fill out a ton of paperwork, go through two interview processes. They really vetted me because they're like, well, how are you going to do this? I remember being in a room one time with this guy, this like bigger black guy and this little Asian woman. And they're both like, well, how are you going to do this? How is it going to happen? And I'm like, I, I, I don't, don't know. know. You know, but like they were like really like pushy. And I'm like, okay, I think I know what I want to do. You know, I think, you know, don't bite my head off. But, um, so I got accepted into the Thrive program and it's three months and then you could renew it for three more months you know, however many times. So I did it August, August, 2012 
um, August, September, October. And then I renewed from November, December, January. And I went to them with like a rough business plan. And then they helped me finesse the business plan, uh, connect with lenders because I knew I needed funding and take that business plan to them and then find a location. And so they, because I was just driving around the city looking at buildings. My mentor, Darren, randomly had a meeting with Grandmont Rosedale Development Corporation and the uh, head of it, Tom Gadaris, they met at a coffee shop in Brightmore the next like little part of our town over. And, and so Tom was like, yeah, we don't have a coffee shop in Rosedale park. I wish we had one. Boom. And Darren's like, well, I know a girl who's ready to open one. And so that's how it's I a ended small up here. world sometimes. Yeah. Right? So, so that worked, you know? And so I want to, I want to, I don't ahead. want to interrupt, but I just want to draw back to telling people about your idea. Yeah. If you hadn't done that, that wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of a better example yeah. of why you should tell everybody. I was just sitting next to this lady at this lawyer meetup that I didn't, you know, I don't yep. remember who the lawyer was. It doesn't even matter to the story. Open I was your just mouth, sitting people. next to her. She seemed friendly. I'm like, why are you here? She's like, this is why I was like, well, this is why I'm here. And she helped me connect me with the program that is, was a big step into how i got here because darren my mentor that i mentioned earlier in the interview he's darren i got through tech town he was my mentor through tech town that is awesome that's exactly why you should tell everybody what yes. you're doing and trying exactly. to do it because you you may not maybe yeah. you would have found it but maybe you Eventually, not, or maybe right? not and and i was you know detroit right now as opposed to detroit in 2011 2012 early 2012 when i got here like there were these programs, but they were really small and they didn't have as much funding. Like just over the last few years, so much more has happened. Like at the time I was just, that's why I was like blind emailing people and just meeting with people. Like, Hey, how'd you do it? I don't know what the hell I'm doing now. Like they have like, you might help. Exactly. Hey, you now there's like tech town is like established build institutes a thing that didn't even exist when I was here. And I ended up going through, I didn't tell you this. I went through a business plan writing class through, um, it was the SBA's like Wayne County version. Oh man. It was, um, M I S B T D C the Michigan small business technology development center. You're helping people with businesses and your acronym is that long. Yeah. Get out of here. They were awful. Dude, so I, they were so oh, bad. I, I can't so believe bad. I wasted the time. I was like, oh, I'm going to learn how to do this. And I went after yep. my first business failed and go, well, I think even though I ran a business into the ground, I know more than they do. Yeah. That was, was some sad shit. It was bad. I took their fast track new venture class, which is a business plan writing class. It's really dry. It follows a book. I mean, the guy I ended up taking in Oakwood in Oka, Oakland County because I tried to take in Wayne County. They didn't have enough enrollment. Now, granted, this is 2012. This is when people were yeah. all trying to open business, but they didn't have any enrollment in Wayne County. So then I went to Washtenaw. They didn't have enough enrollment. So I ended up taking it out in Waterford in Oakland County, which is, if you're not familiar with Detroit, is the long, long, way. long drive up Telegraph, long drive forever. And this was in the middle of winter. I took it in January 2013. I took that class and I got out of it like enough to write a rough business plan. But I also like went to college and used the internet. Like it wasn't like the class got me there. The class was very dry. The guys who taught it were really nice and they tried, but they were given crap to teach, you know? So when, when Build came online, even though I wasn't a Build student, they came to me and they're like, Hey, are you interested in facilitating this class? Cause you like have opened a business. And I was like, yes, because things like this need to exist. Things that make sense that are clear, concise and easy to use need to exist for entrepreneurs. Cause you don't need the bullshit when you're trying to open a business and you're working another job. And you know, I've met people, they have kids, they got a mortgage, they got all this other stuff. You don't need to go to a class. That's like all this like theory. You need like the bones. Like how, oh, yeah. how do I figure out my pricing? How do I figure out my how do marketing? I not fail? How do I, how do I do this? How do I do it quickly without the nonsense? That's what people need. That's what people need. So that's why I teach build because they do that. Yeah. Giving back to. So, so what does, I know you've got big plans. What does the future <laughs> now that you're out of the, you're out of the sticks, right? The, 
you're going to be profitable, like yes. probably any minute now, any minute <laughs> we'll now in a month. Um, you're very close to all your loans being paid off. Yes. Growth yeah. every month. Yes. What does the future of alwaysbrewingdetroit.com hold? Um, well, I think I really just want to expand the business itself. Um, because people always ask, Oh, when are you going to open the next location? That's what people always ask. Cause they think franchise and you need to be McDonald's. I have no desire to ever do that. I don't, maybe I'll open other businesses, but I don't plan on opening like always brewing too. Not anytime soon anyway. Um, so I want to expand within our, our space. I want to add a commercial kitchen so that we can do more food on site, still sourcing everything super locally, still showcasing already Detroit made products, but be able to make to order sandwiches, salads, soups, breakfast items. I get people, why don't you have breakfast? I'm like, do you see a kitchen here? Yeah, I, I can't. There's yet. no grill. <laughs> yeah. I can't yet. Do you see a yet. hood? <laughs> yeah. It'll happen, but yet. And so that's the next plan. Um, we just started the process. I just took out a loan, very small, uh, 0% interest, $1,300 loan to pay for architectural renderings and design work to actually get on paper what I want to do. Cause yeah. I, I, it's in my head. I just want to, and the first time dad in the legal pad of drawing it out worked, but this time I'm going to be asking for larger sums of money and I have to run a coffee shop. So I can't also do all the build out this time around. So I'm legitimately working with an architect, um, Virtuoso is their name of the company and Mark, uh, who's the head of Virtuoso. He, I met him a few years back and he jokingly said, Hey, when you want to expand, you know, you can come to me and all I'm an architect and a contractor. Virtuoso is great. You know, come to us. And I was like, Hey, keep those business cards, people. Yeah. You might need them. It's going to happen. So as soon as I knew that I wanted to move forward, I, Call, contacted Mark. He gave me a quote for how much the design drawing was worth. And I was like, that's still more money than I have. So then I applied for a loan through Kiva, which is zero interest loan. And because I am involved with build, you have to have someone endorse you on Kiva. Somebody you say, because it's character-based loans, somebody say, you're a good business, you're a good person, you will pay this back. Like somebody who just knows you. And so build backed me, the build institute backed me for the loan, which meant that the Knight Foundation and LISC, which are two nonprofits that give money to Detroit things, they backed it. So every time somebody gave me $25, it was actually 75 because LISC Damn. matched it and then Knight. I still have to pay all of it back. It's still a loan. Yeah. But I raised $1,300 in under three hours. In under three hours. And I launched it at 1030 at night. It wasn't like it was in the middle of the day. I didn't promote it except putting it on my own personal Facebook page and the Facebook page of the business. And in under three hours, I had raised 1300 bucks. And so what did I learn from that? People in Grandma Rosedale really want me to open a place with a kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> they're in. Like yeah. they're, like I had, Why do you think I try and come every day? I'm in. terrified you might go somewhere else. I'm gonna be, <laughs> I'll have to drive the fucking 12 no, mile no, and no, telegraph no. to no, like, no. like, oh God. Yeah. No, I've had customers come in yourself included Jeremy who are like what else do you need what do you need yep. how can I give you money how can I help and I'm like I'm like uh, I'll figure it out let me just get this this, this drawings done it's and a budget and I'll tell you coffee shop desert yeah, through let me here just figure it out so, especially if you want good coffee it, yeah. it could be a long between here I don't is there anything between here and midtown or downtown not, not really just corktown corktown that's it that's close to the yeah. 15 minutes yeah on the highway um and yeah. you don't really want to drive that far for a coffee shop that's, no. that's why I keep coming well I get I have people who come from like down river here because I'm closer than driving to Ferndale yeah then I'm closer to driving to Royal Oak you know so they come here and it's weird yeah I get this like fringe business of people who just want good coffee and I'm closer than other things so 
Okay. Well, I'm always out and about and I like I like having a place to come work and drink some coffee and socialize. Plus, I like the community aspect of it. That's yeah. one of the reasons I wanted to live in a city. Gene right. and I were like, we want to live in a city. We want to do all this stuff. And yeah. then we moved to some place to a city where there's none of that shit. We're like, well. <laughs> where is it? Where are these community people? Yeah, we, we screwed that up. Actually, our problem is we were like uh, four or five years too early. <laughs> right, right, right. Totally. Well, that's, that's the timing part. You timing screw is up part. the timing. Timing is totally part of it. I we mean, screwed up the timing. I couldn't open this coffee shop that I opened two and a half years ago with my dad in a legal pad now like i couldn't do that like now it was a different detroit it was different detroit just two and a half years ago like yeah. now i need an architect and i if i want access to more funding i need to be more legit and because nobody was doing it when people who were they weren't trying as hard a couple years back it was easier now it's starting to get like oh people from iowa are coming here and opening things people from you know i met a couple the other day from like north carolina or open a coffee shop they're coming they're getting hip to it so now it's the bars being raised which is a good thing i mean to be honest it's a good thing because it means we're gonna have higher caliber stuff better things more things i'm in for it well hopefully you've kind of blazed a trail too where maybe just maybe government will make it a little easier and it'd be easier to open businesses right because they have to they it was hell for you i mean are you yeah it was hell getting to this spot right people just don't like they it was kind of like i would go downtown or i would go you know anywhere that i needed to get permits and licensing and it was like i was bothering them and it was like i really want to like help make money in the city i'm gonna pay taxes i pay taxes i pay sales tax i make the state money i make money for things please let me do that in your place and like it was like i was bothering them to, yeah, to ask them for that and it's it's getting better it is getting better oh, it's getting better all the time but it those you know i remember the health department at the time was privatized it was uh the institute for population health and they were just transitioning into that from the city now they're transitioning back now that the city's reabsorbing the health department that's a longer story but but because they were in transition Literally the month that I applied, they were like, yeah, it's going to take an extra six weeks. And I said, well, I'm paying rent on a building. So I really need you to move, like expedite this process. So what did I do? Every Friday, I would stop by the health department, which was in the, at the time, the Herman Kiefer building. So it's this big complex. You have to get buzzed in, take an elevator down, walk down the hallway, go over. I mean, it wasn't like I just walked up. Like I had to go on a venture through Herman <laughs> Kiefer and I would go there and I would show it up. It required a map. It, it, yeah. did, it did. I finally, like by the seventh Passwords. time I was there, figured out how Ciphers. to get there. Ciphers. It was bad. And so I would get there and you have to buzz to get let in to the IPH, which is like, come on. Okay. I've already now gone through an entire building. Now I have to get buzzed in. Like, this is ridiculous. I mean, I guess Detroit, but how secure does it really need to be? They might piss people off with this permitting process. That's True. What they're trying so they to have, they yeah. have a buzzer. So I would buzz it and I would, I would buzz it and I would wait and the guy or girl would come and I would say, hi, I'm Amanda Brunton and I'm opening a coffee shop and I submitted my paperwork. I just, I was in the neighborhood and I just thought I'd drop by. Be the squeaky wheel. <laughs> and I did that every week until like the the seventh time I came. They were like, okay, do you have a minute? She's in a meeting. She'll be right out. I was like, oh, I have all the time in the world. And I remember, of course, it was the Tuesday that I stopped or it was a Friday. Friday that I stopped by at like 10 a.m. I had to be at my niece's picture taking at JCPenney in like an hour. Damn it. And of course, it was the time that they would see me. So I text my sister and I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. I'll be there as soon as I can. And so I wait and I go, they go through my entire 97 question application and they're like, okay, you're missing, you know, 
T's crossed and I's dotted on these three things. And once you get us that, then we'll like give you your preliminary go ahead to start construction. So I'm like, okay, thanks. And I'm like writing on a napkin. I run out of the building and I get in my car and I drive to JCPenney and my family's there and you know, we're shaking the little duck to make my niece smile at the pictures. And I'm like, guess what? <laughs> I only have three more things and then I can get my building permits going. And you know, but it was like, that was my life. Yeah. Like I was constantly just squeezing it in and, and just being the squeaky wheel and saying, Hey, here I am, here I am to the point that by the last time I went to the health department both to get like my certificate, they were like the three people who always answered the door were like, all oh, the coffee ladies here. Yeah. Like they knew me because I just kept being persistent. That's and great advice. Be the squeaky wheel. Not to. everybody. Well, not everybody wants to help you. No, they, well, and, and to, in their defense, like I went in the lady's office to get my certificate. She literally had piles this high, like up to her eyeballs yeah. of files on her desk because how many people were renewing licenses? How many people were trying to open? How many people had citations? That was all on her desk. There's like seven, not even five people running the whole damn thing. And so I wasn't mad at her. I just knew that. Yeah, you were I never mean to her, right? No, no, no never. And I was just like, I'm going to keep pushing because I can see that I'm at the bottom of the pile and I need to be on the top. Yeah, you're paying rent. And you're having to work all these jobs. Yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah, that's expensive. That is great advice. Folks, not everybody likes you or wants to help you with your business. You got to be the squeaky wheel sometimes. Don't be afraid to say something. Yeah. You were polite, but you're persistent. Yeah, that's what you Be fucking relentless, folks. Just keep going. You got to do it. Man, this is awesome. I've had a really good time. (laughs) Is there anything before we wrap this up that you want to talk about? Because I I appreciate your time and effort and all that. Yeah, no, this was great. I I I love talking about my business. I mean, it's it's what I do, so I love talking about it. Yeah, well, I'm pretty I'm pretty happy you're here. Well, if there's nothing uh, there's nothing you want to talk about, then I'm just gonna I'm gonna go right in the closing. I want thank you, Amanda. Thanks for your time. I know it's busy. You're rare evening off to do a a, a podcast. Uh, I really appreciate it. Want to thank you for your time today. Also, I want to encourage everybody, please, 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 it's really important. Go to alwaysbrewingdetroit.com, alwaysbrewingdetroit.com. Go to Twitter, look her up, alwaysbrewingdet. Go to Instagram, alwaysbrewingdetroit. Hit her up on facebook.com forward slash alwaysbrewingdetroit. Conveniently located on Grand River between Southfield and Evergreen on the north side. Open Monday through Saturday. Something worth come checking out. Send her an email. Say hi. If you're stopping by Detroit, swing by. We've shot several podcasts. We've shot. We recorded several podcasts here. We are on video, too. Um, I work here regularly, and I would appreciate it because I like having a coffee shop in my neighborhood. And if you enjoy this podcast and you find it helpful, please share it with your friends and everybody across the Internet. It is a free podcast, and the sharing helps. If you have any questions or comments, Please reach out and let me know. Go to renegadedetroit.com, renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. You can also hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess. And if you prefer, you can watch this on youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit Wholesalers. And as I wrap this up, I do want to take a moment to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent. I know there are a lot of distractions. Mistakes, poisonous people, bad habits, rough starts in life, bad parents, just being unlucky. Stick with it. Don't give up. Do something every day that gets you close to your goals. I really appreciate you listening. I know you have lots of things you could be doing rather than listening to this podcast. Thank you very much. And until the next one, crush it. <laughs>